Hi, welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, with me is my co-host, Claire Williams. Hey, it looks like we're talking about uh, 1917 today. Oh, wait, no, 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 wait, I'm sorry. Give me a mm. second. Um, oh, no, I guess, oh, ow, Parasite won. Wow, that's Are awesome. you looking at your Oscar ballot? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just was. You weren't looking at the schedule. Yeah, weird. I uh, parasite. Okay, who knew? All right. Yeah, That's... I know. I'm still riding the high. Um, yeah, where where this is now our last episode in the best picture miniseries. This has gone uh, too too fast. It feels like it's it's breezed right by us. Maybe I mean too fast or not fast enough, depending on your perspective. It's true. And uh, with us today is Robin Barr. Hello. How's it going? Hey, how's it going? Uh, yeah, it's going all right. It's been a busy week. Yeah, and um, you want to tell everyone at home what your history is with the Oscars? Like, if you have, like, a personal relationship at all? or. Oh, yeah, we're like... best friends, best friends. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so um, I'm a film critic, film and TV critic. Um, I write primarily for the Hollywood Reporter. Um, I am a freelancer, so I, you know, kind of hop here and there when I can. Um, I am a, I'm a huge Oscar nut, um, have been since I was a child. I mean, I remember, oh my God, this is probably like the year you guys were born, but I would watch the Oscars, uh, you know, it's like my, my tradition. And I think the first one I ever watched was the, the year that Jerry Maguire won. So maybe that was 1997, I believe. Um, and then every, I think I only missed one since then, which was the year I didn't have television in my household. So I'm, uh, I'm big into it. I, I, during my younger years, maybe during middle school, I would study this um, CD-ROM that I had as a kid that was, it was just like the Blockbuster CD-ROM. I don't know if nobody knows what Blockbuster is, but... <laughs> used to rent videos from Blockbuster and it was a huge part of my childhood and then I guess my grandmother had the CD-ROM and I would just study all the facts so I would just look up film after film and then you could see which ones got certain awards so I would just absorb all of the Oscar trivia mm. and so it like still kind of exists in my veins somewhere like swimming around um, I just love that stuff so yeah as I got older um it started to become more of a hobby for me. Like I would read all these blogs that don't even exist anymore about Oscar prognostication and things of that nature. And so I kind of uh, got better at predicting Oscars and yeah, it's just, it's a huge fun hobby for me. Kind of like, I think the way that fantasy football is for some people or even just sports in general, it's just like a fun statistical game or you start to like understand, um, what the tastes of the Oscar voters are or, you know, what, what has won based on certain, certain data. The guilds. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or the guilds are just like, you know, how long, like what is the track record for voting for films after over a certain length or something like that mm-hmm. um, or a certain length of running time. So, so it is fun to get into the nitty gritty of, of the numbers for me. And of course the movies. Love the movies. Yeah. Um, so as a fantasy football nut, 
I love the comparison because it is it is so similar to that in the sense of like, so with fantasy football, you're trying to go off of pre like data, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and history of whether it be what stadium are they playing in? What's their history with this team? Uh, how's the defense with this position? Um, what was their last game like? Uh, how does their play style affect? Like, so it's very much like, it's taking all of these variables and trying to make them into what's going to happen next. And it's very much like the Oscars because even though the Oscars in the sense of like, it's a whole, you have to figure out a whole bunch of people, like a whole bunch of, like a group of people instead of necessarily just one person. Right. But it's still very much like, well, how does every, like all the variables of how do the others, uh, other players on the field, interact with this player and how does that determine the coaching style so like there's a million variables probably most of them don't actually matter at the end of the day but they still somehow influence with data exactly like people think uh like a certain stadium we play in maybe there's it's hard to really measure besides just like how they do how they do in that stadium but it's hard to necessarily see if there's an actual correlation and same thing with the Oscars. Sometimes during the Oscar season where we're just theorizing so much about, well, they don't like this person for this reason. And that person's the film, or they don't like that kind of style of filmmaking when it's kind of hard to know if that's actually true or it's just something we've kind of made up over the years. It kind of reminds me of uh, the fall festival season. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like something can have such a large amount of buzz coming out of, Toronto, but once or other way around, it can have such a large amount of buzz coming out of Telluride. But yeah. then once it's Toronto, it's it can really fall flat or just like evaporate. So mm-hmm. um, kind of like what happened to Waves or something. Um, yeah, that's a really good comparison. And and plus, like when you were talking about um, reading all this statistics when you were younger, I, that same thing for me. Like the information just sticks when you're a certain age. Mm-hmm. It's like a critical other. period of your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. And and I think your point about the different variables in in sports is um, it's very pertinent to the question of the Oscars. And I think what it comes down to ultimately is like what are what is the narrative that these numbers are telling us? What is the narrative between these different controls of like the audience in this particular environment versus the audience in this particular environment and how does hype come into that and the confidence of the people who are doing the marketing and 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 I and I see such a through line to how how it works in sports I mean they're both entertainment fields in different ways and they're both very based very on performance so. so yeah I think it's and uh, politics unfortunately unhappy. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah, and, and sports. Money. <laughs> oh, very money. much money. A lot and money. sports has um, a lot of pageantry behind it, too, kind of like ward season, mm-hmm. where oh, it's yeah. like, what kind of drama are the athletes getting to, into behind the scenes? Right, I'm assuming. Um, that's, half of, that's half of sports. I mean, like, whether it be like dis- uh, disagreements with coaches or beefs with players, like, that's... I mean, it's all rumor mill stuff, and it gets around it. Also, people then put those narratives into actual performance and make this direct correlation when, at the end of the day, we're not even sure if it actually affected anything, but we're guessing it did. Exactly. Like, what kind of, what kind of black opals does Kevin Garnett have? 
It can be anything like oh. that. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I think it, it's just a matter of timing. Can I tell you a story that when I was watching Uncut Gems, it took me literally half of the movie to realize that Kevin Garnett was a real um, a real player and oh, not just a character in the film. Robin, what have you done? Oh, no. <laughs> I love that. Wait, wait, what, 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 made, what made you realize it when they used the actual footage? Um, yeah, and it, it was starting his name. Like the more they said Kevin Garnett, the more I was like, wait, that sounds like a real name I've heard of before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just started to like click for me. Um, and yeah. and yeah, the footage obviously does help, but I kind of came to it just from the whole like that name sounds so familiar. What if it's really an actor? And the funny part about his his role in this movie is that he's he, it's a supporting role it's, yeah, not, it's a not even a cameo <laughs> yeah it's so good i know yeah. oh, i find that so very great. funny for two reasons he's a celtic and like we should he's not it's not like i know every celtic but he's just one of like the major players i guess name and another one right now right the second name another celtic larry bird and um go. Clay loves him like he would personally nominate that performance if he could. So I really would. I just I find that very oh funny. he's fabulous. I yeah. mean I kind of wish Uncut Gems won everything, every Ugh. single award. I wish Adam Sandler had an Oscar in his pocket right now because you know to be carrying it in his pocket. He oh my really god, would. you guys should see the necklace with the big I bought in the basketball shorts. The A24 I know. Basketball. Oh my god, that'd be so beautiful. But I got myself a piece of jewelry today that um. That is uh, a a nod to the film, and I'm so proud of it. And I oh, can't – it's hard to describe what it is. It's like one of those name necklaces, but instead of saying, like, my name on it, it just says, this is how I win. Oh, I love that. Oh, I thought oh, I was going to say that's Howie. So perfect. Perfect. Okay. That's perfect. I love Howie Ratner. He's like my dad. <laughs> yes. Oh, how can you not? He's a flawed, lovable man. I Guys, I might like gems more than good time. I'm – that's not, I mean, I, I, don't I, know. I like it more than Good Time, but both I are just, <laughs> I love the Safety Brothers. I can't just choose one right now. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and choose the other one. It's <laughs> the hardest thing. Like, which brother or which movie? Ooh, that's a whole different thing. That's <laughs> Josh and Benny uh, debate. I don't know. Josh, because he has a better beard. All right, you win. You win. <laughs> this is how you win. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we're not here to actually talk about Uncut Gems. I know, I know. Which I would. It love. would be dope if we. Yeah, yeah, it would be cool. Should we just turn uh, this remind, into a gems pod? <laughs> like. Oh God. Re- remind yeah. me to talk. Tell you off, Mike. I have an idea for a guest for an Uncut Gems episode. It better be. But it's uh, not me. Rude. Oh. I, I, Is it I, Julia I, Fox? No, I. God, that would Oof. that would be a weird. Imagine guess. like that'd be a good get. If we got yeah. Kevin Garnett, I would literally like scream internally. <laughs> And I'd be like, who are you? You would pass out. (laughs) What's your real name, actor? Oh, boy. Yeah, you were really good. What's your next project coming out? (laughs) Um, Actually, that's a serious question. Like, what is he going to do next? Yeah, yeah, actually, like, he could very, Mm. um, very much take another project. What Um, if he just turns into, like, our greatest actor? Wouldn't that be absolutely (laughs) Right, like, he just goes on on a tour. Like Cher. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. He just turns into the next Daniel Day-Lewis, and we're like, holy yeah. shit, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> like, he's in the new, like, Wes Anderson or something? Yeah. Oh, totally Ooh, that's, that's a that's great idea. That's actually kind of great idea. That would make me want to go to a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> Ooh. We just got to get KG. But yeah, today we're talking Parasite, um, the newest film from Bong Joon-ho, Best Picture winner. 
It's very, it's very cool to say. Yeah. Um, so I'd usually ask what's everyone's history with Parasite, but I figured it would be more appropriate to ask what's everyone's history with director Bong. Ooh. Since mm-hmm. I feel like he's become a character unto himself this award season. I can go first if we all want. Um, <laughs> yeah, you feel you seem the most prepared. <laughs> right. Um, really? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm speaking the truth here. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, like American audiences, I think my first experience with him was Snowpiercer. Um, and I think, like, I don't know when I saw it. I, th- I feel like I saw it on Netflix or something. And I don't even know how I was like, I should just watch it. I don't know if it was because of Chris Evans. I don't know if because the trailer looked cool. Or I don't know if I, like, review or if the reviews got me. I think maybe a mix of both. A mix of all of that. But, yeah, I watched Snowpiercer. I'm like, pretty, that movie rips. It's pretty, pretty fucking good. And I just was like, okay, cool. That's That's a great movie. And then... Um, only later, I started to, like, I think next movie I saw from him is Okja. Did you see it in 2013, or was it a little bit after? Snowpiercer? I think it came out, like, worldwide, and, like, for actual audience, like, audiences that aren't in, like, these, um, like, I don't know when it was released in South Korea, but it was released wide in 2014, and I probably saw it late 2014 or early 2015. Um... Then I saw Okja on Netflix, and I was like, that's a good movie. I didn't love it as much as Snowpiercer, but it also needs a rewatch. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's good. You know, two two good movies I like. Mm. And then Parasite was getting this incredible amount of buzz. And I'm like, wow, okay, I'm, 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 I'm excited. And I watched, but people told me to watch Memories of a Murder before Parasite just to prep my, my bong. <laughs> I like saying that. Um, and... I was just, and so I, I watched Memories of Murder. I'm like, oh, this is a Stone Cold masterpiece. This guy's one of my favorite directors working today. Like, I just needed that one film. And we also, yeah. I, I think after I saw that, we I watched Snowpiercer again for film class. Mm. And I was like, okay, yeah, this dude just is really great. And he's he knows how to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw Parasite, loved it. And I'm like, yeah, bong, bong forever. Nice. Um, I think. I have a similar traje- trajectory to to what you have, um, except I actually flipped Okja and Snowpiercer. Um, Interesting. I think I started following festivals in 2016, and that that maybe the fall lineup of 2016 I started following loyally, and then that bled into the can of 2017. And I remember this, and I remember sticking to the cast particularly not knowing Bong's name yet. Like you had Steven Yeun and Tilda Swinton and Jared Carlos Esposito and Paul Dano and Jake Gyllenhaal. And it's like, whoa, Okja is supposed to be pretty good with this kind of ensemble. And and then like, I'll learn later, like ensembles don't always equal like sustainability, but it wasn't the case with Okja. And I just really loved it. Like I, I was really moved by it. And, um, and so, yeah, then I saw Snowpiercer after that, like maybe a month or two later. And um, same thing with you, man. I remember Parasite just kind of blew the roof off the place. Like um, people were just going bananas for it. And especially because like I knew a new Bong Joon-ho movie was going to premiere there. 
But the big headline was, of course, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So it's it was kind of overshadowed. Um, and yeah, so then it went and wound up winning the Palme d'Or, and yeah, so then and then I saw all of his Korean work this year too after Parasite. So I'm with all you, man. All of it, yeah. Well, not his first movie, but... I need to check out Host and Mother. Oh, they're both just, like, exceptional. That's what I love about his filmography. There's not a bad one in the bunch, and you can watch them all in, like, a week. (laughs) So it's it's really special. So, for me, the only one I've actually seen before Parasite was Snowpiercer, and I didn't care for it, so it didn't really make me want to try his other films, although um, a really good friend of mine has been recommending that I see the host and mother for, I don't know, as long as I've been friends with her. Mm -hmm. So they've just always been on my list and she would like rave and rave. So I do plan to watch them this year. Um, But Snowpiercer, I mean, it was funny because you're like, (laughs) this movie rips. And I, the first thought I was like, this movie rips booty. Phrase that my my husband says a lot. It's mostly your fault um, because you said that. (laughs) But yeah, it was fine. It was just kind of doofy. So kind of so going into Parasite, the only thing that for me it had going for it was the rapturous reviews and not so much uh, any kind of relationship I had with uh, Bong Joon-ho as an auteur. So, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised and would like to see more of his films now. Do you Is think she... um, his the satire is laid on too thick in Snowpiercer? Because I think... That's a criticism I have with his American work as opposed to his Korean work. Yeah, it's uh, it just doesn't it just doesn't land, and I really don't have a lot of language for it right now because I haven't seen it in so many years. But my feeling was just like, oh, this is dumb. <laughs> like, it's did you see not it in twenty thirteen? Feeling, yeah, I saw it in theaters. Okay. So, it, like I said, not a very informed analysis. It was mostly like this. Nothing, nothing about it tracks. Even though it's actually like a very good concept for a film, mm. I just don't think it was executed in a way that I felt was felt um, particularly, I don't know, potent. The only thing that I really like and that I really loved about that movie was this actress. Um, I can't remember her name right now. Who plays Song Kung? Uh, uh, I forget. But plays the uh, dog, right? The plays Who, the what? The daughter, right? The daughter to the um, Song Kang addict. No, she's um, she she played like an assistant. Do you know what I'm referring to in the movie? Was she like? Did she have like a completely silent role, or are you talking about? Yeah, she's she's like a silent, like a silent kind of scary role. She's a little bit like on the thicker side. Um, yes, yes, actress. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, so she I, she's the one thing that I really remember about that movie because I loved that role so much that I actually saw. I I looked up um, some other stuff she's been in, and she was in this movie called Lena. Um, I believe it was a Belgian film because I think she's a Belgian actress. And the I saw Lena, and it was like truly one of the best films I've seen in probably like the last five years. So I highly recommend it. It came out in 2011. I think that's how Bong Joon-ho discovered her was through this movie. Um, So the movie is about a young woman who is overweight and she falls into a relationship with a, a boy and things get really complicated with this boy. And there's a lot of like sex in the film and really inappropriate relationships. but obviously about 
first. So I do recommend it if you have the opportunity. And I think it's L on A, I want to say, but I'm not, not, I'm not 100% sure because I saw it so long ago. Um, but I will, I will send you the information later. But go, everybody, go see Lena. It's a great movie starring a girl I can't remember her name, but she's Belgian. <laughs> I'm a great film critic, everybody. Yeah, clearly not. Yeah, wow. I, I, I've just, I, I, yeah, that, that was interesting because I, yeah, I, I mean, I barely, I, I remember who she was and she was good. I just, it was, I, I didn't think she was like, I didn't think of her as a standout, but that's interesting. Mm. Yeah, we well, you know everybody takes something different. Yeah, exactly. Them. Yeah, but no, no, she, yeah, she was great. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I could watch Snowpiercer. Um, I could, I, I don't know, maybe every day, but I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I'm really entertained by. It. I think it's just extremely well directed. It's like the set pieces are really well done. I think the use of space, and I think Chris Evans also is great in that movie. Um, but we'll probably talk about it another time. Yeah, that, I mean, I think that's a movie worth talking about. In my opinion. it's funny that for someone that's so acclaimed for being a South Korean auteur that this is the only Korean movie that he has this decade. <laughs> and um, unless we want to play technicalities and mother's yeah, 2009 like, yeah. and it'll flip over to 2010. But I mean, like, but that's I, like the like, version like, suicides rule, you know, like that played in Canon 99, but it, it was released in the U S in 2000. So no piercer is South Korean financed though. That's the thing. It, Oh, uh, the wine scenes only distributed it. They, Wait. Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's Snowpiercer. But I'm talking Snowpiercer about Snowpiercer is one of. No, I know, but you're saying that he didn't have any like Korean films this decade. But Snowpiercer. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, but is... I mean, it's in the American. It's in English. Mm, most of it. The, um, Song Kang Ho speaks Korean in that movie as well. Yes. Um, but Parasite. Yes. Um, should we? Now, should we go straight into the movie, or should we talk about more maybe the narrative leading into the Oscar win? Let's go with the narrative. This was a very it seems inter- like the pattern we've gone ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year's Oscars, I think I could tell that... So leading up, it was gaining... It just gained so much momentum. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that has gained... That gained, like, it was very you know people were it was very buzzy when it came out people were excited for it but it just kept getting more and more um buzz and more and more popularity more and more people talking about it as it went along and it just it was kind of it's one of the most fun interesting and overall exciting narratives to see play out for me as an oscar watcher viewer it was kind of like what i imagine um crouching tiger hidden dragons narrative to be why do you say that uh just like in the mold it broke it with being a foreign language film because i know it was the front runner to be traffic don't you think roma was also under that Uh, true i did not think about roma netflix yeah i guess like roma felt like it fell on its face because of the Netflix stigma. Um, of course, there's like other things that happened to it, but that was the main one that people just didn't watch it because of the Netflix logo. Um, but yeah, this was a real um, exciting thing to watch considering how much we've all had, or at least you and I have had um, 
bong in our pockets as as like a secret weapon. Like this man means more to us than just a Korean director who makes movies for his own country. Yeah, I yeah, it was also it was also just a strange year, but when I finally saw it, I just like, oh, this is something special and something that is just it's one of the most acclaimed movies ever and not in the sense of like of awards or critical acclaim i'm just saying like i there i barely met anyone or saw anyone who was like oh, that wasn't a good movie and everyone for some reason it was so um and i think for good reason but usually even a movie that's well loved still has a few people who are like eh, i didn't think it was that good but this i just didn't see any hot takes about parasite which i was very besides Unless you count Neil Brennan, but we won't <laughs> talk about that. When you say hot uh, takes, you mean like... Uh, the movie was bad. Okay. Yeah, like La La Land, Boyhood Level black Backlash. Oh, those were deserved. Come yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I agree with you. I never saw any think pieces that were like... The, th- the five things that are wrong with Parasite, you know? It's like, yes, exactly. And that, was, that kind of and that was really refreshing that we made it through an entire, like, six-month award season without without any, like, camp. I mean, I think there was maybe, like, some 1917 Parasite camp going on. But it, I think maybe the shortened season prevented that from really taking shape. But every single other Best Picture nominee had Backlash. True. Whether it be on film Twitter or like actual like you know national backlash, like it, every single one, and some deserve some not. It's quite interesting that Paris and maybe and this makes more sense now looking back at it because we were worried 1917 was going to win, but Parasite was just it was just compared to all these other movies, it was completely unscathed by any harsh criticism or divisiveness, which is pretty astounding for any movie honestly in this day and age yeah uh what do you think about the narrative robin of parasite you know leading up to the actual win oh i had absolutely no idea that it would go as far as it did i mean there was definitely some some oscar folks who were who really had the hope up and i just couldn't go there because after green book um Mm -hmm. It was it was such a blow and and honestly if you look at the nominees this particular year they, they were they're good movies. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. a lot of them, but they all had a very similar narrative, which was I mean if you look at each one of them thematically, they all are about men, particularly older men or at least middle-aged men feeling like life has left them behind, feeling um, that the the winds of change are coming and they feel displaced in society. I mean, at least five of the films are, mm. are about that in some form or another and, and, and have that machismo. And I would include Parasite in there to some extent as well because, you know, there is, there is that narrative about um, who, is, who is allowed to be a, a hit maker in society and who falls. And there's so much around there's so many things that happen in the movie that just surround the idea of like fallen masculinity whether it's um whether it's the gentleman in the in the basement spoiler alert or or the father of the main family they they both definitely feel 
the uh, that that phantom of death coming upon them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see all these films together, and you're like, oh, this feels like the Oscar voters just hate themselves or hate the world <laughs> that we're in right now. Like, there is just something, especially with the the Irishman, it's just like very like, oh, it's like working out your psychodrama um, mm. through film to some degree. So I just had no hope whatsoever that a film like Parasite, which is just truly weird. It is, it is a horror comedy, essentially. Yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, <laughs> and, and I loved it. I mean, it was really one of my favorite films of the year, um, but it, it did not feel what I would consider. It did not feel like a particularly Oscar film. Um, whereas even a film like Moonlight, which, which whose subject matter is quite radical, even that felt like more of an Oscar film, quote unquote, to me, because of these, uh, you know, heartwarming narratives, or you know, the idea of trauma, or or looking at looking at pain in certain communities. Like, yes, those things are in Parasite as a narrative or as a theme, but it's presented in such a strange and goofy way that I had. It, it floored me that it ended up um, not just being nominated for Best Picture, but getting the win- the award. It was truly, a, truly a great moment. Yeah, and going back to Bond's catalog this year, I noticed that he just, even with the whole Weinstein um, chaos that happened with Snowpiercer, he just doesn't make movies for anyone but himself. Like, I saw this one interview with him where he's like, I don't think about the audience like they're going to be too complex to impress. Like I'm just trying to impress myself and trying to mm-hmm. control my stress with, with my own work. So I find that very admirable that he's not, not trying to uh, like pander to anybody. And yeah, so it's like, it's just something that a Bong Joon-ho movie would go on to be nominated and win. I think that's just, it's something that I honestly would only dream of. Like, um, just because he's not so, like, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if we want to call Parasite Oscar bait, but I wouldn't I wouldn't personally put in that category just because Oscar bait would be like um, the Irishman, I guess, in a traditional sense. I feel like Parasite's kind of the opposite of Oscar bait because I really you said about like, how it's yeah. just not really the movie they pick, and I think it's. It's the tone, I think, what you just said, a horror comedy. I think the tone is so radical and so, and so, uh, how do I say this? And so flexible and fluid that I think a lot of Academy members would have a hard time actually, like, pinning it down and truly, and truly just be like, this is the best movie of the year because it's not, it's not a, I mean, it's, it's still, like, um, it's still a crowd um, crowd pleaser in the sense of it's just a really twisty thriller um, that has good jokes, but it's all but it has something that it's kind of hard to nail down in the sense of whether it's be criticizing capitalism or how family dynamics or how society uh, how society like uh, puts these people in certain roles as them fight each other, figure out who's the best or to fight for. Um, to fight for their for respect or power whatever it may be and i feel like a lot of oscar voters would be like uh i don't get it or it just it's not consistent enough or it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't hit hit me over the head of what it wants to say 
because um, that's what they usually do, whether it be like whether it be Green Book or or something as focused as Spotlight. Um, it's kind of I feel like it's just so complex that Oscar voters would be turned off by it. Like even like it, it is a weird movie, but like we just covered Shape of Water, and that's a weird movie, but tonally. It, it, I mean, it does manage, to, it, it does have different tones here and there, but it still feels more, it feels um, out of this year's, uh, out of this decade's Oscar winners, it does feel comparable to the artist in the sense of whimsical, has these connections to old, old Hollywood, this kind of um, fantasy in a sense of like, uh, not fa- fantasy, but like, uh, I don't it's know. It's kind of looking it, back at the past. Yes, that's, thank you, yeah. Jack, thank you. Um, yeah, that's. And so I think it's interesting, like you said, that this movie of all movies would win because you have a movie directed by Quentin Tarantino, a movie directed by Martin Scorsese, um, marriage story about um, r- rich white people getting a divorce. The Oscars <laughs> love that. Um, hey, Ford I v. Love Ferrari. That too. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think I, it's I mean, we all movie. love it. Yeah, like we're not discounting marriage story. Uh, Ford v. Ferrari, two movie stars in this very masculine movie. Um, Little Women, a costume drama. 1917, a harsh war movie with fantastical um, directing and, and uh, cinematography. Joker, a deeply disturbed um, disturbed movie about a man getting lost in society. It's it's all these it's all these very like yes I could see the uh, I see I could see the Oscars giving this best picture, but Parasite is the one that for some reason everyone kind of was like yeah I love that movie. Yeah. And it's it was widely celebrated within just actors too. Like there was a lot of like during award season, there were a lot of um, obviously there's a lot of interviews. <laughs> like that's what I led with. And um, sometimes whenever you see a director or an actor being asked, "What's your favorite thing that you saw last year?" a lot of them would a lot of them would say Parasite. And um, like it's without hesitation that this is something that not only in the online and critical community like is this well beloved but also in in some in the uh, voters so it's it's rare to have that mix i guess and um i guess with the masculinity thing that kind of took over this year i think it's one thing that there was like an overflow of best actor possibilities uh, for the combinations that that we could have had Mm-hmm. Um, but also there's a the thing that it was a subpar year for best actress. And I yeah, think that's what so stung. And it's usually Oscar the opposite. It is yeah. usually the opposite where it's overwhelmed yeah. with good female performances and, and really yeah. like mediocre male performances, or at least few that really competed with each other. Um, so I definitely agree with you there. And I don't, do you guys listen to little gold men at all the podcast? Mm-mm. No, I do so, not. There, um, Katie Rich has. She was talking about the um, the mass, the over masculine side of this award season, and it's like I'm o- I'm like sort of okay with that because they are saying something about masculinity. If it was just like a bunch of like Colin Firth and the King's Speech kind of performances, then it'd be like, all right, guys, what are we doing? But since they're all kind of like commenting on the state of where they are you know so it's i think if it had to not say something then i would have taken issue with it a little bit more is that what she said or what you say that's what katie rich said okay and because um have you guys want to take credit as... for someone else's words well, what are you talking about you're such an ally jack you're, we, gotta, you're, we have no well, choice to stand. you do you are too 
Thank We're a couple you. of good people in this world. Um, I have you guys seen the SNL clip? It was like on Weekend Update. It was right before the Oscars of white ma- the white male rage song. I fucking hated it. <laughs> it, I was, it was so stupid. It it it's very it's very like it is very SNL y. It's just it's kind of that, like, and it's also it, it, it. You can it's there to draw a reaction. Yeah. And it's and it's on it's a bit on the nose, but it's a bit cringy whenever SNL tries to comment on the Oscars. But I or think movies had, in general, honestly, I think they had some kind of point in the sense of what movies were really awarding. Yeah. Um, and like I think, I mean, there I think there are uh, thinking about Oscars is personally, I don't think they were all that good, but Parasite winning and and bong winning makes up for all of it but besides that i just was like i mean i still i have like there's a lot of snubs wait are you talking and, about the actual actual award show yeah okay and so that's like so i think i don't know i the idea of white male rage even though it was done pretty clumsily in the snl bit but i think it is and it, and we've and people have had conversations about this i mean we've had i mean the discourse you, there's so there's been so much discourse or there was so much discourse about the oscars um even more than other years because of how weird this year has been um but i do think there are these kind of narratives that for some reason have completely not some reason but i think have been forgotten just because parrot was such a overwhelming thing to take over the film community. And now we've just forgotten about whether it be Oscar so white or the lack of uh, people of color being nominated or the, <clears throat> uh, or like no female directors. I mean, and maybe that probably has a, a more lasting power, but still we've kind of just been like, well, parasite one, what else is there to talk about? Yeah. I want to um, push back on one thing that you said, Clay, which is um, you're describing each of the Oscar films and you're like Little Women, a costume drama, 1917, a war film, and actually 1917 is also a costume drama. And okay, that's fair. Oh, I, and I'm yeah. not I yeah. think this is just like very common, sure. which is like if it's if it's a woman in a dress, oh it's a costume drama, it's a period piece. But if it's a like man a merchant ivory a, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, but if it's a man in a uniform, it's like a war movie. <laughs> um and I just want to think about the language of that. Yeah, that makes I perfect sense. I, yeah. I guess I have never, I never really thought of war movies as costume dramas. Well, could you I also think... call Jojo Rabbit a costume drama? I mean, yeah, why not? Sure. I mean, yeah, it's I, a period I, I, piece, but it's for boys. When I think of costume dramas, I think of like Downton Abbey. Um, oh, totally. Like I would, yeah. I would never thought Gosford Park. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. No, that's a good point. I never thought about that. They're wearing costumes, too. I mean, every film you wear costumes, but I think when we think of costume drama, we think um, a period film. But they're all period films to some extent. Hell, you can I, say Uncut Gems is a costume drama. 2012, right? That's its own period piece. 2010. 2010. Oh, is it No, I think it was 20. I think it was 2012 because... Oh, no. Wait, it, it was during Raja and Rondo was... But they played the... Do, all right, um, that, that's just going to go. Whatever, that's going to go. I feel like 12 um, people on like Twitter is going to be like, it was 2012, you idiot bitch, which is <laughs> something oh no. that women deal with on Twitter. Oh, boy. Yeah, oh. That, it, yeah the internet is not doing so hot lately. <laughs> it never I think is. humanity is not doing so hot lately. Oh, boy. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah, I feel like you're on just onto something here. Like, I forgot to love Par. This sounds weird, but I forgot to love Parasite, like halfway through, just because everyone else was loving it, and um, like it, it was my number one movie of the year, like Robin said, and it was like it just stayed there, and is like I knew I loved it, but it's I don't know what, where I'm going with this, but I forgot to love love it even more. Like I forgot to revisit it just because it had grown in popularity so much and so quickly um, you lost a little passion for it because it was it's so like, I like lost it but it was just i forgot to i don't know that doesn't make any sense maybe well, i i, I kind of it, it's when you're not championing something and everyone else is just like saying i love this i love, I love this it's hard to kind of jump in there when How it's becoming so overwhelmed so maybe. did we all see burning last year no but i really yeah. want to see it okay. oh my god robin I know. I, Everybody I tells me that. I, I, I know. That movie. And um, it was kind. It's kind of like kind of like if Burning was like got a lot of awards traction this year. Mm. And it was it was almost like Burning last year to me was like a secret weapon in the back of my pocket, like yeah. something that like only film nerds know about, and yeah. that I can like recommend to someone that wants that wants something that will leave them thinking. So it was kind of like Parasite if it didn't have all this buzz and it didn't make a splash at the Oscars and um, it was just another Bong Joon-ho movie that happened to win the Palm. Um, I think it was it could have been a little bit like that. Uh, Robin, what did you yeah. think of the overall Oscars? Not just necessarily just Parasite, but whether it be the nominations or their wins. What what were your thoughts on it? And the show itself. Uh, oh, the show was so friggin' bland. It was, um, it was, it was really boring. This was not very thing. good at all. I mean, what is the point of having actors or performers introduce other performers so that they can read the? I mean, it 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 just doesn't make sense. And I guess I guess a host does that too. But a host unifies the experience, um, and you get a Your flavor. Host? Yeah, like I didn't really love uh, Ricky Gervais. Or I've never oh, really no. loved him at all, yeah, but different. at least he was a unifying force and you could bounce off of something. Whereas the Oscars just felt completely like it was made of jelly and it was melting in the sun. I mean, there was nothing containing yeah. it. So, yeah, not not great. But in terms of the films, I actually really loved most of the best picture films. Like, it was one of the few years where it was like, not just had enjoyed them but was like yeah like that was a really good movie um i mean of course my favorite films weren't even nominated like the farewell or uncut gems or hustlers i mean those were really some of my like true top top five films but yeah i actually think it was overall good like if 1917 had won i wouldn't have hated it i really enjoyed that movie Um, i was fully prepared to talk about it yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) Yeah, Jack was like, I don't, Jack was worried. He texted me, like, right before the Oscars. He's like, if 1917, win, 1917 wins, when are we going to, like, is, how much is there to talk about, really, on the podcast? Like, I mean, it's a good movie, but it's just, it's not necessarily the most verbose conversation starter. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about you? Yeah, I know. I liked, I liked most of the Best Picture winners, too. Um. I yeah I, I I loved uh, I guess I did love most of them technically yeah um but and so I'm I didn't actually complain with that um but I mean the acting nominations I think are besides me best supporting actor are pretty atrocious mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. My yeah. opinion. Grandpas. I call them the uh, best supporting grandpas. Even Brad Pitt. Like, no offense, he's old. Like, I don't wow. Care he's, he's old. He's in his, like, freaking 50s. That's grandpa age to me. I mean, he, lo- he's... he looks like a snack to me. Whether it I'm be... not going to stand for this Lord <laughs> Journal. Grandpas gonna... could be snacks. I guess yeah. so. I mean, if he has a grandpa, he's a snack. I mean, have you guys seen Robert De Niro? <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, hey. But I, I'm not going to stand for this Laura Dern erasure, even though I think that performance is questionable. But um, three out of the, the five movie, nominations of that category, just what what are they doing there? I, I'm just talking about the overall noms. Like the winners, yeah, I think Brad Pitt was deserving. I think Laura Dern was like, I think was deserving, but like, you know, I don't it was know. a monologue. I love her. I'm glad she has an Oscar. Um, yeah. It's a career win. It certainly is. And the big take is Little Women would justify this career win more than Marriage Story. And I yeah, can't disagree. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, I found the monologue in Little Women where she talks about her anger oh, to be so more good. effective than talking about, I don't know, women's lib or, or whatever she's doing here. That yeah, that one scene in the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she oh, has good. A, a good air about her. I mean, she's it's an incredibly clipped role. Um, but I do Very think so. there's, there's some chatter that, you know, she, she only won the Oscar. She only has this fandom now because of her role in Big Little Lies. And I want to say, no, that's not true. Like, she's so great and everything. And you should see Rambling Rose and you should see Ruth, uh, Citizen Ruth and all these wonderful films that she's in. And I do love them. However, I actually do think that people suddenly have been blossomed with Laura Dern love because of Big Little Lies and her her role in Marriage Story is is a bit of a takeoff on the Big Little Lies character, yeah. who's this big, brassy, take charge, you know, woman. Uh, it's like you've seen her do it before, and you liked her doing it here. So it's hard not to say yeah. it, it's good, Renata. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Exactly. And she's had a huge career. Uh, resurgence like she was in like she was in the last jedi she was um in a pretty acclaimed role in wild in 2014 um and nominated for that yeah yeah exactly and uh she was she was back on twin peaks she was in downsizing um whether whoever likes that movie or not the tale which was pretty acclaimed oh Um, so fabulous in the tale oh the yeah she's really riveting Big Little Lies, of course. Um, yeah, I just she's had a pretty big career resurgence. Um, but I mean that she stole Jennifer Lopez's Oscar, so I don't know. Mm. I f- agree with you. I totally it is agree truly with you. astounding that Kathy Bates got in over her. Is like it's astounding that Margot Robbie got in for Bombshell. It's uh, it's inc- oh that was really such a nothing weird. of role, and I love I love Margot Robbie. I think she's a fabulous actress and. Mm. That's a nothing of a role. It was such or a, nothing of a character. It was such a poorly written character that when like yeah. it's obvious that that person actually did not exist, and, the, and she so did. <laughs> so clear. And, and Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit, fine. I like. I mean, I like ScarJo, but like, really, yeah. out of yeah. all, over Zhao Shuzhen from The Farewell, yeah. or Jennifer Lopez, yeah. or you know, fucking anybody. Like I yeah. don't know. Like Pew, we love we love Pew. So, no, she's my personal pick. Yeah. For, and I and Dern, I can't fight you on it because I like Dern and I like that performance. But like besides that, I don't know. I don't know. 
don't know. I kind of want to take another look at Marriage Story and just pay attention to Laura Dern because, I mean, Noah Baumbach isn't someone that I would expect her to have a career win with. So I feel like I missed something. Or at least we call we collectively miss something. You know, or we miss a lot of things. Yeah, true. Um yeah. But boring show, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. I think we can all we can all agree on that again. And Parasite's victory um kind of made up for it. It was I was elated every time Bong got to have his mini freakouts. <laughs> he was the host um, of the night. Let's be Sharon, honest. He oh hosted yeah. the show. Um, easily one of my best. and one of my best. One of my favorite speeches I think ever now is his best director speech. It's, um, it's amazing. It's mm. and um, it's a and film another, nerd's dream that speech. It's oh, like everything yeah. a film nerd wants in that speech. And coming off the Indie Spirit Awards when the Safties accepted theirs. Like one of my other favorite all-time speeches now. Like, good good weekend for speeches, I'd say. Well, Phoenix and and Zellweger's speeches were like <sighs> oh well, just I mean, nonsense. Just <laughs> yeah, but there are some. But no, I, I agree mean, that there are some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, like Pitt has been doing some killer speeches during the whole boards run. Yeah, Joaquin uh, is. Man. Oh, oh, poor. Oh. <laughs> um, like he's like, oh, you're starting off pretty cool. Oh, we're going. Oh, we're going this way. Oh, no, 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 no. And then ending oh, no. with River, like, okay, that was that was actually kind of poignant. So. Yeah, it was like, uh, I mean, I guess we can't be mad at that. I don't know. Um, I mean, his speech at the Baftas were great though. Yeah. That, oh, that's yeah. one of he like he took like I wasn't a fan of him this award season with his speeches, but that Baftas speech was like, oh boy, that that's that was pretty freaking great. Um, but yeah, boring show. Everyone else won. I mean, everyone, all the expected winners besides yeah. Parasite won. So yeah. Um, isn't Laura Dern the president of the actors branch of the Academy or am I making yeah. that up? No, I think you, that sounds kind of accurate. And some people thought that that maybe influenced her win, which I could see. And maybe there should be a rule. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, I, I guess it's, you know, it'd be, I think the narratives are so much more interesting than the actual Oscars. Cause mm-hmm. like really nothing happened besides parasite. And it's weird. Cause that, it's kind of like in 2017, or um, yeah, in 2017 when Moonlight went over La La Land, that defined those years. Os- that defined the Oscars of that year. It's kind of the same with this year. Yeah, that, yeah, like, they were very they similar just, moments. I mean, really, yeah. The the La La Land one was, I mean, it was so flooring. What what exactly happened? Not just that Moonlight won, but that their moment was taken from them. That and then, and then the the rerouting was just so shocking i burst into tears i was yeah. cr- i was crying um this year it was just like oh shit parasite yeah. i mean like all caps a hundred eyes oh shit yeah and i think it's much it's like moment. it garnered so much momentum but the mm-hmm. fact that it actually did it like i think that was the thing that kind of um made us all get get really misty eyed was like mm-hmm. um I, like i don't want to say 1917 was like the big bad guy enemy or something but it was it's like this 
South Korean movie that everybody rallied behind Bong and he's put out masterworks for two decades now. And it's just, it's nice that we all collected. I think the, um, the lack of backlash, like we said before, it also kind of made us kind of overwhelmed with joy. The fact that no one had anything negative to say all award season. And the fact that, um, there were so many reaction videos I, I saw online the next Monday. It was just like so many uh, Asian people and people that love this movie. And they were just elated with joy that um, a movie they've been championing since October has has just gotten the biggest prize you can get. You know, it's yeah. how many reaction videos did we see to Green Book? <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, God. I- I I just it it's so funny how two years could be so different like in the reactions of like me watching a Best Picture winner personally where I just when Green Book won I kind of felt it I like I was hoping Roma and then I just like I, I overall just like deflated I just deflated as a person like I wasn't crying I wasn't like necessarily sad I was just like, <sighs> and, like and we'll talk about just... this on the episode but it was right after Olivia Coleman. And it was yeah, just which such a, a deflate oh. of oh. of like, oh, but <laughs> like, for Parasite, I didn't even I, like I again, I'm a sports fan, so I wasn't I, I wasn't like misty eyed or anything. I was piped. I like I, I jumped out of my chair. I, I you know, I pounded my chest. I kind of screamed a little bit like, yeah, started like, shooting six, six shooters. Yeah, 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 basically. Um, and I was just, I was like running around the house, just like, yeah. And like scream, not screaming, but like yelling a bit. Yeah, and yeah. my mom was like, my mom was excited. Moderately too, screaming. God. Yeah. Moderately screaming. Um, but so it, it's so, it's just, I mean, it's so, I mean, I feel like that's how the world works nowadays is that the pendulum swings as, uh, you know, um, every year or every, with everything, I guess, like it's either the, it's either completely in this way or completely the other way, and it changes. Uh, it changes all the time, and it, it's always this big shift in culture, and whether it be in politics or in movies or in um, like uh, entertainment overall or sports, there's always these big shifts that uh, really like change everything. Uh, I guess should we start talking about the actual movie now, or do we still want to shit on the Oscars? <laughs> um, I love them so much; they're so terrible. Yeah, I think I love we, them too. It's always the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. I think we all get equally as nervous and excited for awards season just from how unexpected it can be. At least recently, it has brought in this air of. Um, kind of not knowing where where directions will go. So I think, in that sense, that's where most that's where the excitement comes from. But it's not like um, twenty years ago you'll have this predictability because um, the next epic has has paved its way into fall festivals. You know. Yeah. So Although I kind of miss epics in a way. Not that, not that Parasite is not epic mm. in a very specific sense, but you want I, something like epic in scope. Yeah, like yeah. like the Return of the King or something like that. I miss these sort of like big, wide Titanic-like films and literally like Titanic. Like I wonder. Uh, mm, now these days, mm. 
Avengers Endgame's pretty epic. What else? <laughs> Avengers Endgame? No, I'm joking. I don't know, Mulan looks pretty good. Yeah, that, that's that's in the news. Yeah, that could be cool. <laughs> that's a thing that exists. That's, yeah, it's happening. Aladdin made um, $1 billion. Yeah, it's, it's Do you guys time. name anyone that saw Mo- Aladdin? Oh, I liked it. I thought it was oh, fun. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. never mind. Like, I just, I don't know a single soul that saw it, so it's it's always funny that it, that it made that, so much That, like, money. people did see it. Yeah yeah, 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 My husband and I saw it, and we were both, like, like, I remember coming out of the film, and we looked at each other, and we're like, that was good. <laughs> like, we're surprised. <laughs> I was kind of charmed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It felt like a big, it felt like walking around to Disney World, which I am a big fan of, so... Yeah, the live-action remakes are so just kind of, like, numbing at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so I, I'm not going to doubt anyone for minding them. It's just, it's just like, a thing that is happening now, and it's just, like, we have to... It's either, like, a great one is going to come, or we're just going to ignore it. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe Mulan is a masterpiece. I don't know. How it fun has would a that really be, good director. Right? Like, oh, who's the director? Um... Oh my God. Nikki Caro? Yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I just saw a piece came out come out today that was uh, interesting to say the least. So there's a lot of things happening with that movie. Whether it be, I mean, that goes into real world stuff, and we don't need to talk about it. But um, yeah. Um, what? I did not know about the conflict. Uh, yeah. It's there's you know. This is new news. It's not new actually, but you know. Okay. It's new for you. Well, when you say conflict, what do you mean? What are you referring to? Uh, the Hong Kong protests, and now, because um, the main actress said some problematic things about that. Oh, and, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the now ever the coronavirus. I mean, yeah, just stuff like that. No good. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's definitely just... predictions about what what uh, money it will make in China, but. Mulan, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. I've read I've read two theories on it as a film. Either either it is a completely Chinese story, and like wow, like this is you know this is a quote unquote a Chinese film, even though it's made by Disney, which is extremely American. But honestly, the but the the film. So so you have that that one thought thought line about it and then the other thought line is uh this is really not chinese at all this is made by an extremely american company with american ideals um, and a new zealand director yeah exactly and and then i'm referring to the original film but like the Uh the new film um it's taking off it looks like a lot a lot like these uh chinese epics that that have come out in the last 20 years visually so Mm. It'll be interesting to interesting. see whether this is actually a an, quote unquote an American take or whether this has any kind of relationship with um, with Chinese cultural values or or just Chinese cinema. It's not a Chinese film. That's the thing. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Looking forward to. It. Um, is that March? Right. Yeah, it's coming out next month. Okay. Well, yeah, but who knows? I mean, this this year is going to be weird. It's just going to be so weird. Especially yeah. like, concerning uh, Disney. Like we talked about talked about this a little bit recently. Like their 2019 compared to 2020 slate. 
it's just um, and they're definitely in transition right now i mean especially with yeah. Iger stepping down but but you know okay let's talk about paris yeah, um, oh yeah okay and uh i don't even know how to start so yeah. i want to be honest here i want to want to confess something um i did not rewatch it uh i was planning to i was going to last night um but two things got in the way uh the outsider which is an excellent <laughs> television show that jack got me on and i blame him and homework so uh, i was not i was unable to rewatch it but i was able to look at the very handsome ben mendelson for a while so that was that was my evening ben mendelson he's not for me oh you're breaking my heart here robin oh i, I don't like i don't ben like it See, like Clay was talking about, like how he looks like nobody An else. An aged whiskey. Yeah. It looks yeah. like he looks like he looks like an aged whiskey, like a ma- like a mahogany wood. You just like, yeah. He just. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm. See, like I can totally understand not being behind Ben Mendelsohn just because his. He's very weird. He's he he's just kind of like unpredictable. <laughs> and I like you, to be you Captain don't... Marvel, I guess. Oh, as Talos, he's great. Talos the scroll. You gotta stand. Yeah, Drink that milk. Have I seen yeah. have have you guys seen um Mississippi Grind? No. Oh. No, I need okay. to oh, I need to. Well, I guess more play would love that movie because oh. he's just playing a piece of trash. Like nothing else. Oh. Like, just just like not nothing redeemable. <laughs> and with Ryan oh, Reynolds. Plays like a charismatic kind of life on the edge kind of gambler. Anyway, yeah. So Parasite. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't rewatch it, but it's a good movie. <laughs> I, I can, I, I remember it. It's great. It's, it's, <laughs> um, I did rewatch it and update. It's still pretty perfect. <laughs> Newsflash: It's yeah, good. It's it's still good. Like it did not get worse. Upon, what if I was just like, yeah, I did not like it this time. But is there time. enough not... time? Like, you probably saw it a few months ago. So is, is like, five months really yeah. a, a long enough time to have that Probably uh, not. I can't think of any time that it has happened. Um, but, yeah, this is my third time seeing it. Wow. And, um, yeah, it just gets better and better. Like, I pick up – I mean, this is such a cliche, but I, I really do pick up on new things – every time I see it and I this is the first time obviously post best picture win that I've seen it and the uh the few days after nominations came out um we had this picture with Sung King Ho, Park Dam So and Bong Joon Ho holding a newspaper that said overlooked acting and it was just the cast of them and their faces like like they just, and that's what I picked up on this time. Like their performances are just riveting and and so layered and um, are so distinguished from one another. Like I think each member of the um, the Kim family have different aspirations in infiltrating their house. None of them blur into each other. So yeah. Um, do we all remember the first time? I mean, I hope so. Or one of us has some problems do we all remember when we first saw it yeah yeah i saw it yeah. in the theater uh what, what what was your instant reaction like leaving the theater what was like were you like shocked were you just glee- gleeful or were you uh, like yeah what was your instant reaction my instant reaction was 
or at least leaving the theater was the the uh, there was too much of a coda to the ending. So that was like my first response was, I wish it had ended with a little more of a punch of the audience realizing that the father is trapped in the basement. And what happens in the film, which is more thematically pertinent, I think, um, as a friend reminded me, is that you have to see the son going through the fantasy sequence of getting a job and getting so rich he's able to buy the house and rescue his father. You have to go through the, the emotions of that to realize the pain that he will never do that and he will never bootstrap um, and, and rescue his dad. And, and you, and uh, Bong wants you to feel that pain of, um, you know, not quite the American dream, obviously it's not, it's not America, but it, it's meant to, I think, make you feel that you know for at least american audiences the american dream is fake it's the capitalist um, dream exactly exactly so but for me i felt like that went a little too far and it spelled it out a little too a little too on the nose for me i would have much rather it ended with that gut punch of just realizing that dad was down there and will be down there for for forever basically um it would have it would have landed the irony a little bit better for me instead of prolonging that that feeling of um that that feeling of agony mm. but i still love the movie but yeah. i, I it, it just it didn't quite hit exactly where i wanted it to hit yeah sometimes they'll have that reaction to can they have an ending where it's just like that's obviously that's the last thing they are left with thinking about like I don't think of this anymore but the first time I saw Blade Runner 2049 mm-hmm. I was like I mm-hmm. wish it ended like mm-hmm. a minute 30 seconds earlier I know that's kind of like sacrilege to say now but it's I mean I understand me? what you're saying <laughs> can't remind me what happens a minute and 30 seconds at the end of the film that I don't remember uh, he, uh, Kay drops off um uh, I forget her, uh, Deckard to his daughter. Um, he's it's snowing outside. He sits on the steps. He looks to the sky, and he's kind of bleeding out. And so no one really knows if he's dead. But it kind of ends with the shot of um, an aerial shot of a close up his of his face while snow is coming down. Oh, I nerd. would have preferred if it was more more yeah, ambiguous. Yeah, what was the minute? Mm-hmm. What's the minute? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah right. that's exactly it. So, like, right before... But, I mean, I don't think that anymore. It's just... I think there was just something that popped into my head. It's so weird how I recreated that scene in my head. Um, yeah, that was, my like, inst- very... Un- <laughs> very... Uh, I, very descriptive, yeah. I love it. I love that movie. Um, I had, like, I was... It, you know, it, actually, this connects to Parasite. It's just sometimes you get these special experiences in the theater that you just won't forget. Um, like that for me this year was like for Parasite and like Ad Astra where I just I generally felt so moved and like um, like astonished in like the the craft and the work um, that I was witnessing um, in Parasite it's just I'll never forget like the first hour and I mean a lot of people have talked about like how the twist changes the movie um, but the first hour and I think it's like the best <laughs> yeah I know uh, well the, I guess um, when it's a revelation yeah the revelation of them of there being people downstairs like um but but sorry uh when i first saw it 
the first hour, I thought it was like the best comedy of the year. That was like that was my thing. First hour, I'm like, this is the funniest movie of the year. This is a straight comedy. I don't like where's this horror stuff or this thriller stuff that people are talking about. It's just I'm like, it's the funniest movie I've ever seen. Um, and then once the moment that the tear uh, the caretaker comes back in, you see that security camera footage. Yeah, I remember this movie really well. And she keps on ringing yeah. the doorbell. Oh yeah. god, exactly. it's so nauseating. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's it's so out of nowhere and it's so sobering and there's it, there's no music and everyone's just kind of like, Whoa, what do we do? And they're all staring at each other and it feels like feels like a, the boogeyman coming because um, they were just such in this the middle of this living out their dream living out the dream of having money, power, and not having to be anxious or worry about everything that could cripple their family. Mm-hmm. And from that scene on, the moment she rings that doorbell, the entire movie changes, and it goes from, like, the best comedy to, like, a terif- like a horror, thriller, um, psychological, traumatizing movie. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it goes in completely into a different direction. And I just, I will never forget how it was, like, that moment, it's just switched on a dime, how, like, holy fuck. Like, I just, and I, I come out of that movie just, like, I just, that's just, that's a lot. I, I, that, it really took me for a loop. Um, and I just was, again, astonished by it. Um, that was my instant reaction. Um, I really do want to re- rewatch it again. I'm bad at rewatching movies, but, um, yeah, that was just, that was a special moment. Um. Yeah, I, I I think I think it's just also so cleverly. I, I mean, it's very clever, but it's also clever in the design and the craft of it, whether it be the editing or the actual writing, um, the dialogue pieces or how it frames certain scenes. Um, it's just like I one of the more memorable scenes of the year is the father rehearsing his lines while it cross cuts between him actually acting out. Like to me, that makes that that movie like. That deserves the best editing um, nomination just for that the, that sequence alone. It's just so expertly done and it's so fluid and it's so entertaining and it's so engaging. Yeah, it's cutting between I mean, him and the it's... tuberculosis speech. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good stuff. That's like a oh, that's such a perfect montage too. Um, yeah, I... I love how much we get of this family hanging out together. Um, I mean, like of course they have to. Because they're they're all just out of work and um, but I think seeing their kids at this age is just weird to see um, to see them all still as a unit and it's not like yeah um, the son and the daughter have gone on to other places in Korea or something like that and I think it's just brilliant that director Bong keeps them all together because we just get so much of them just interacting and they build personality through um, how they talk to one another. It's great. Especially in that, I guess <laughs> I'm kind of spoiling favorite scene here, but my favorite scene is when they're all trapped into um, um, the, the house when they're, when the uh, park family is, is on the, is on the camping trip. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you just see them kind of spilling out their philosophies about, about like how King Su is going to marry the the daughter and um, if he's thinking about Ken at all and, and the work that he's gone on to do and how the mom is protesting there's a difference between nice and rich and not rich and nice. It's it's all just like really good stuff. And that's that scene I think is what Bong won screenplay to me. Yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. 
That's a good take. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to think, like, what makes this movie so special? Um, is it the combination of craft and messaging? Is it the craft alone? Is it the messaging alone? I don't think it's, I don't know, there's this combination here that is so fascinating, and it's like a puzzle, in a sense. Not necessarily that yeah. the movie's puzzling, but the idea of the reaction and the gar and, like, the love it's gotten is kind of a puzzle because like kind of going back to the narrative the moment i thought like oh i i think in my gut i think parasite's gonna win best picture even though the 1917 train was when did you have this feeling i had this feeling um when it won the sag and not because it won that but it's because that's how the crowd yes, went yes. absolutely bananas for that movie, winning them all just standing up and having this rapturous applaud, applause. And I'm like, oh, it's going to win Best Picture. And of course, they didn't yeah, know there's that something for sure. I was here. still nervous. Mm-hmm. But that was just something where I'm like, they Hollywood generally loves this movie. It's not just because they're trying to appease <clears> the <throat> film critics or whatever. People like people are on this train. Um, but yeah, I think that I think the movie has so many so many things but it's also just crafted so well in the sense of i mean people talk about the production design the house is gorgeous whether it be the editing and the cross-cutting between multiple scenes um cinematography and the selection of shots and the acting all of this stuff it's just it's hard to talk about it because everything's so good about it Mm. it's hard to kind of piece something like isolate something yeah i think what you were saying like um I don't know if this will answer completely why why this is so good, but we're just catching someone at the height of their powers. Like, undoubtedly, this is something that Bong has been circling around for his entire career, it, se- it feels like. And we are doing the right thing and not waiting until he is in his 60s <laughs> to deliver him an Oscar for, I'm sure, another masterpiece. But it's like, we're going to take him now and... and try to celebrate what he has accomplished so far so i just think that yeah it's we're just catching him at the right moment um what do you I, I, this is kind of weird this isn't necessarily a favorite scene but and this might be a too too much of a kind of loaded question but what's your what are your guys' like favorite aspect of the film meaning like is it the tension or the way it builds tension is it the dialogue is it the message about class is it the comedy what's what's that aspect that speaks speaks to you most i love the grotesqueries of this film yes hmm. it, it, when you talk about the twists um first of all i agree with you that is the twist but it, it is so twisty in many other ways that i feel like it keeps building on itself but the main twist of course is that they they uh the the main family believes they are the basement family, but then there's a sub basement family. That's a great point. And it, I mean that, and it shows like there are gradations of, of trauma and desperation and, and things of that nature. But I just loved the horror of finding this like man ghost in the basement. I mean, it, what it, it's, it's almost like Jane Eyre where Jane goes into this household and she thinks that this is this is it for me like I found this this 
family and I've ingratiated myself as an employee and, and now I have these, this relationship with the with the rich owner of this giant gothic home mm. and then turns out that the man she's about to marry is married to already married to a woman who is disturbed and living in the attic and sometimes does bad things um, because she's locked away in the attic and to me this is kind of no different like here's a family that comes in and they ingratiate themselves and they form relationships and they start to feel more comfortable with the people that they uh, are working for and then suddenly it's like this pale creature living as a as a I don't know a ghoul or some Ghost kind of, of goblin or something in the house. I mean, it's it's kind of incredible, and you feel sorry for the guy. I mean, but when when the uh, wife comes back to get her husband, and she's feeding him, and it's almost like she's suckling him. Like I I had no idea if this was her husband or her son. I mean, there was yeah. something really uh, kind of maternal, maternal about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 kind of squicky and I think that is where Bong really really hits hard is when he goes for not just gross things and not just gore but almost uh, Rabelaisian freakish things uncomfortable yeah, yeah. I think this is like something really unique with empathy mm-hmm. um, likability of course with the Kim family like they are con artists and they are taking from something that is not theirs. Um, kind of like doing something that otherwise we would find reprehensible. But since we kind of find this family, as Bong puts it, adorable, <laughs> we're kind of all right with it. Um, and same goes for um, the parks themselves. I think they're why I think this is so such a genius script. It's like they don't seem to be made up as total bad guys like they're not some some people that you don't find as humanist if if it were in the hands of someone that were just that had like an agenda as bong i think he he does and doesn't you know um and so yeah the parks just come off as someone that have gotten very just comfortable yeah and, i yeah, agree and, I and feel the, like the couple that live in their basement too. I think they're they just love each other. Like yeah. I, I, I mean, you can kind of see it as the par the parasites, um, leeching off each other with with the Kims and and the the housemaid, the prior housemaid. Um, they kind of are at war with each other because of the parks, but at the same time, I I think you you are never rooting against um the housemaid. Which I love that there's this one detail, this re- latest rewatch, that when Kaisu comes to, um, or Kiwu, when he goes to the house for the first time, and you see the, ho- the housemaid approaching him, and he thinks that he's the ho- that she's the house owner, so it's kind of like mm-hmm. she is the the, the coveted kind of um, she's person. She's the power that, holder. She's the power holder, yeah, essentially. So it's a nice little foreshadowing. Um, yeah, I think... Um... I think the idea of empathy is really interesting in this movie because I, yeah, I agree with you, Jack, that it's it's tr- it's not painting anyone in one corner or the other. But I feel like the movie is an ex- if like a questioning of empathy or like a 
feel like it's trying to figure out in the sense of not that it's unsure though it's just trying to present it be like it's like asking the audience uh do you do you think you should be empathetic of this person yeah i don't know either like that like that's the idea it's Mm -hmm. like it's just trying to present them it's not trying to give it's not trying to put a lens on like oh this is a time when you actually like it's not one of those you know how sometimes in um, in the point of a movie where you're like, oh, this is the time when the audience needs to be very empathetic about the main character going through this struggle. It doesn't really do that. It just kind of shows you like, so this is the character. They're going through this. Uh, how do you feel about that? You yeah. feel good? You I feel think bad? it does do that, actually. I think there's one very pivotal scene where you are kind of slapped across the face with the the excruciating experience of, of what these people are going through. And that's the scene where the, um, the father and his three and his two kids are trapped under the table and he's overhearing his employer. Um, well, first of all, I mean, they, there's a sexual moment, um, which Mm -hmm. I found super comfortable. Um, Real quick. Did you rewatch this? No, so actually, I am. Um, I have a policy, a rule. I don't know what you tell a ritual where I don't rewatch films until I've uh, until it's been about five or ten years between them. Oh, so it's, wow, I don't know what I mean. I kind of like that. I just feel yeah, like I can't I really it. return to it until I'm at a different place in my life, and um, it's almost like a like I said, it's almost like a ritual, like a weird sort of anxiety thing um i just i can't return to a film that that close so, and maybe it's because i'm just habituated to to the movie or something but it 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 kind of triggers some like anxiety in me um yeah. so but the, i do remember yeah, this, sorry. this this moment where they're they're laying under the table and the husband and wife and the, the husband and wife are being very intimate um the, sorry the husband and wife in the who are the employers um, and they're hiding from their employers because the employers don't know that they have uh, taken over the house for the weekend and have partied in their house. So the the employer and his wife are laying on the couch. And then the guy starts talking about how, how uh, his chauffeur has a weird smell mm-hmm. and, and how it's like old turnips. And how basically, basically like the subway. Yeah. Yeah. Like basically that poor people have a smell and that your smell can overtake you. And it's, and it's a cultural marker that you have almost no control over because even if you wash yourself, um, you still, you still have, I don't know if it's the mold of living in the basement or if it's the food that you eat as a, as a poor person. Um, I just actually read this article about, how it, in Italy garlic is a class marker because garlic is a a food that anybody can grow and it doesn't and it it's not like a refined herb so garlickiness can for for many Italian people implies at least historically poorness so mm-hmm. we don't so I'm not saying garlic has anything to do with Korea uh, Korea specifically in this context but just that we we don't know what this old the smell is we don't know if it's because he's an old man we don't know if it's because he lives in a cramped apartment we don't know if he's sweating the foods that poor people eat in Korea um, but he has no control over it and that's what's so frightening but you you're watching 
the man's face, the chauffeur's face as he's listening to this. And it is so heart crushing. And that to me, that is the moment where the film really, uh, really digs deep. With That's a good point. Yeah. I, I, I personally think so. And I think it's just this, the idea of smell is such a yeah. great motif. I mean, yeah. talk oh, about yeah, grotesqueries. I, <laughs> I love how there are minds immediately go to, oh, we need to use different detergent now. But it's really the smell that they can't get rid of. It's the odor of poverty, obviously. And and so, yeah, and you see um, Song Kang-ho driving around um, Mrs. Park when they're getting ready for uh, the little boy's birthday party. And he's just, like, so pissed off. Like, come on. I know you guys talk shit. And it's really endearing the fact that um, he kind of believes that they are good people for so long. And then it makes it all the more crushing once he finds out that they are not who he's led to believe, or at least they are not as generous as he as he'd like to think. You know, maybe not like wholly good, but just like someone that is that that the rich aren't just like power hungry. Yeah, I mean, it could, I mean, it's the whole again. This is the messaging of the class system, whether it be like how pe- the the people who work under the rich and powerful. Uh, like um, convince themselves or uh, convince themselves that the rich and powerful are their friends. They are the people who will support them. They are rich and powerful for a reason. Exactly. And it's this delusion that society and the rich and powerful have casted over all, you know, all of capitalism or all of capitalistic societies or societies in general is that uh, the rich are your friend. They're your protectors. They are the people who govern. These are the people who make the important decisions. These are the people who are going to uh, stay, uh, support your life um, when it's really more. They're just talking shit behind their back and they honestly don't really care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, again, that's the whole take of the whole movie. I mean, I feel like it's been. I don't not talk to death necessarily, but it's been discussed at a lot of length whenever yeah. this movie comes out. Um, it comes uh, comes uh, comes about um, is the idea of its messaging and its criticism of the class structure and capitalism. Yeah. Um, but it really, but that smell thing, it's like I've never really seen that in the movie, but it makes perfect sense. I've never heard, I've never really seen a movie where or uh, heard that idea, or, or um, I've never seen that idea. Mm-hmm. executed or even yeah me neither been attempted and i'm like that's in that's it's genius of course because that's everyone kind of does have a smell that they can't necessarily control sometimes like yeah. you know yeah. like it, it, let's say like the people who work at the dump that's a job that's people that you know that, that's how they get food on the table they can't and no matter how many times they take a shower they can't help but also but they can't help but kind of smell like a dump they or look at people that. who work in food service. Exactly. Um, it's it's very hard for them. Um, you know, I I do recommend a film or and or a book for you guys. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Perfume, the story of a murderer, I believe it's called. Um, mm. But it, it 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 is thematically about smell, mm. and it's a it's about a young man. I believe it's set in Germany, or no, sorry, it's set in France. It's a German book initially, but. It's about a young man who has a preternatural sense of smell. And so he can smell anything and everything. And that makes him a wonderful perfumer. But then it kind of causes these other tendencies, these these more violent or controlling tendencies when he um, when he becomes attracted to or attached to the smell of a 
of a young woman and it's so creepy and smells and smells are so um I mean they're they can delight you or they can disgust you and I think that is kind of the the binary of this film it's both delightful and it's disgusting i love that we're getting homework out of this episode i love it i, did, I can dig yeah, it. Well, so <laughs> yeah go watch it go watch lena and it's spelled l-e-n-a not l-i-n-a by the way got it um yeah, yeah like ben wishaw dustin awesome. hoffman alan rickman perfume yeah. the story of a murder this is dope yeah watch that um i would also want to give a shout out to jung jiel's score I think it's really overlooked. Um, yeah. I just love, like the tonal shifts, it can just go range from so many different uh, orchestral beats, like the percussion um, at one time. Uh, I think when the uh, firing of the previous driver, I think that, that's when it gets really percussive. Mm. And then there's like that opening piano kind of somber um tone at the beginning and during that montage when they're taking out the housemaid it's this like classical piece so it can really you get everything you run the gambit here musically i love it yeah it's such a um classic goth haunted house film um, if you think back to the rich and the poor almost yeah i mean so so many horror films are about this one giant house and all of the secrets of the house. Um, whether it's like the the architect was a crazy guy or something, or there's a ghost in the home. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know if you guys have ever read Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen, but it came out, you know, 200 years ago. And it's so ingrained in how, women have historically been like the lovers of horror and and horror was initially like very a female oriented genre because for whatever reason it was considered like the oh women girl young girls are dumb and they like that kind of stuff that scares them so northanger abbey i think is a parody Mm. or a satire of of these horror uh stories that were very popular of the the regency age and i think about how how the the horror house has permeated film mm. to the point where now you have parasite or you like, had sunset or like Knives boulevard Out. yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly and there's such there's such cornerstones of this genre and it's so fascinating to see a film like parasite which is you know i mean i do consider it a horror film but mm, it's yeah. kind of a non-traditional horror film and it still maintains these these themes, these illusions and motifs that have belonged to this genre for hundreds of years. It's just so, he does it so well. It's pretty much like all genre. Yeah. I kind of think, and there's no like American director that can manage these tonal shifts and not make it um, fall on its face. Like that was, I think Clay will agree with me because we brought it up last episode that this was where Jojo Rabbit kind of had its faults. Oh, yeah. I really yeah, I'm didn't hate think... that film, but oh, I, I I liked it. I I, I just I I do think that was yeah, that I'm, keeps I'm that's the thing that keeps me from loving it. I'm content um, But um, yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. Like we were talking about the Shape of Water, and I think that manages tonal shifts. Personally, I think that does it well, but I don't think is it's that as 
or a success parasite. But neither you know, are American directors. Like none, none of those are made by American directors. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe like an indie uh, indie director that I'm not thinking of, but um, yeah, no, I think I, I think that's a great point. I mean, Bong is a master, and that's why he's so beloved. I mean, that's why Tarantino is like uh, his number one is one of his like biggest fans and biggest yeah. champion. Like filmmakers love him. Like Noah Baumbach, I think said pa- Parasite was his favorite of the year. You know, Scorsese has a lot of respect. Like these, like really established uh, filmmakers, you know, whether it be Lulu Wong or uh, um, I can, you know, or um, uh, shit, Greta Gerwig or um, who directed Honey Boy? Alma Harrell. Alma Harrell. Like I know she was big into it. So yeah, these and filmmakers also I think we're talent not only talent. of his generation, but we're lit. I mean, for me, just from what I've seen, we're living through the golden age of Korean cinema with mm-hmm. himself and uh, Lee Chang Dong who did Burning and Park Chan Wook who did The Handmaiden and Stoker. So it's his generation that's really just like, you know what, you guys got to take us more seriously and we've been putting out good work since like the 90s. And um, yeah, it's just, it's really exciting time to be a fan of, of these people. Well, because Paris- these people... Oh, I guess, I guess I just meant um, the, the new Korean. Uh, Korean auteurs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Because um, I, I, I think I just put it like it's exciting time because um, Parasite is like going to be the gateway drug to get other people into international cinema. Yeah, I think that's yeah. absolutely accurate. And I hope that's the case. You know, at some point, I think Bong Joon-ho said something like, you have to get over the one-inch hump. Yeah, some, I don't know exactly what his subtitles. words were, but yeah. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, and get I get over I subtitles, have... you Americans. Was the yeah, gist. yeah. <laughs> like learn to read, read a book. You know, <laughs> and that's that's essentially what it was. But you know, it's I do struggle sometimes, not so much because I can't read or I'm bored, because that's that's almost never the case. But or sorry, not that I'm bored with reading, but that I I'm so easily distracted while watching film that it is hard for me sometimes to pay attention to to films that are in another language or in a language other than English only because I'm constantly like scanning other things. So I'm a a very good listener, Mm. but I can't always look, keep my attention to the screen if I'm, if I'm not being totally engaged. So yeah, that's sometimes a struggle for me. Um, Even though I am, I do enjoy, you know, international cinema for sure. I think for me, um, is like taking, I mean, like, of course you can play this to like many things, but it's, it's like taking baby steps and like, um, maybe not something as challenging as seeing like burning or something, but maybe like seeing something like a train to Busan where it's like an action, uh, thriller and you're just, you're reading the subtitles, but the emotional poignancy isn't lost in the translation. So I guess or old boy. Or old boy, yeah. So there's like other things to to try out before getting into like the nitty gritty of, of like international cinema's reputation from what I understand is like just very intense and and concentrated. So I, I, I agree. I also think like for me personally, it's hard for me to just throw on a foreign film. Like I'm just like Oh, I don't have, I don't, you know, I don't really have much to do right now. I just kind of want to watch something. I'll throw on, um, 
uh, seventh seal, or I mean, that's a bad example. Um, but like, I'll, I'll throw on, uh, <laughs> I'll throw on uh, blue or three three colors blue, or whatever. See, that's Again, me. That's that's yeah. weird. That's me. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's because I have to, for a foreign film, I have to be act. I have just have to be actively engaged, and I have to be in a mindset. I have to be in the mood to just be like, I have to pay attention right sure. now, yeah. or I'm gonna lose mm-hmm. track of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my that's that's a thing where I like that's why I like I can't watch it watch them all the time unless I unless I feel like I can be actively engaged. Mm. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. Really I just, valid, yeah. I saw a film. Uh, it took me literally two weeks to watch this movie um, because I could only watch it in forty-five minute spurts. It's a four-hour film on King Ludwig II of uh, Bavaria, and I forget the director. It was uh, one of the Italian like new wave guys um and this movie came out in 72 and i really enjoy royalty stories in general but it was four hours of of an a movie shot in english but i could only find the the german dubbed copy oh yeah so so it was it was actually nice to watch a film that was supposed to be about germans in in german at least so it's from an italian director Yes. Translated in English. No, he didn't. Well, he he filmed it. Or it was shot in. Okay. It was shot in English, but then it was dubbed into both Italian and German. I started with the Italian. It sounded horrible. I mean, a horrible dub, and it didn't make any sense for these characters to like sound like Italians. So I I found at least a German dub. Um, but it was totally wackazoo, and it was four hours long. It kind of reminds me of the original Suspiria. Yeah, exactly. Just like like Argento shot it in Germany, but um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like some of them were mixed languages, but like mixed lingual speakers. So it's it's just chaos. <laughs> yeah, it's total chaos, yeah. and, and it was directed by uh, Lucino Visconti. I just couldn't Visconti, think of his name, okay. but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it and and it ended up being a good movie, and I'm glad I yeah. watched it. But it was like it was time it was well a spent, struggle. but it's just like is the energy worth it? Yeah. yeah. So I watched like 45 minutes, like on a Saturday, 45 minutes on a Sunday, <laughs> then the next Spread weekend. The you know, it kind of reminds me. It. it reminds me of like, um, oh, I just had his name. Who directed Alien Three? It's like the director of Amelie. David Fincher. Oh no, no, I meant um, Alien Four then. Requiem. Uh, then I don't know. I don't yeah, know is a French man, but he, this guy knows like zero English. <laughs> It's not like Bong where it's like he knows like some English, but he'll need translated for some. Like, no, he knows nothing. And so like the entire shoot of Alien Requiem, he just like could not communicate with any of the cast. I I haven't seen Alien 4, but I just I find the story very funny. <laughs> uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunette. Can you say that with more French affectation? Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Okay. I think we just got cancelled. Yeah, apparently. Nice. Apparently I'm being arrested by the French police. I think you have a bullet on your head? Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. What was I going to say? I forgot. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's interesting. I think, doesn't Bong, I feel like Bong doesn't understands all english i, I just don't think he can sp- speak it because i any interview i saw him with his translator never had to like speak to him he just he just understood oh, everything yeah, being said to point. him yeah and i was kind of i was like I'm, I'm always impressed by bilinguals or people who can understand another language i'm always impressed by it I, it's i just i don't i can't do it i i, I can't and it's 
shame on me, but like Ang Lee is another guy that I hear has gotten better um, over the span of his career. Like when he directed Sense and Sensibility, I think that was his first. You think um, he's gotten better since then? I th- maybe, maybe not. I mean, I love him. He's one of my favorite. Oh directors, yeah, me too. Like I'm no shade to Ang Lee. Yeah. I don't. I think he's actually quite roller coastery in his career. I mean, some of his early films are freaking fantastic, and then you have like. No, no, I'm talking about Ant. his his English. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! I, <laughs> I was totally wait wait. What are you saying about his English? Yeah. So like, um, I remember the story of when he was directing Sense and Stability. That was the transition from uh, Taiwan to america and he didn't know much english so he was having trouble directing emma thompson and then i recently saw his some of his interviews for gemini man a good movie (laughs) and um he was he's he's speaking well english so i think it's just the the time spent in america he was able to catch up so well it's a business decision yeah yeah i should learn a language oh that'd be fun (laughs) Imagine if you come on one episode and you're just, like, speaking Spanish. Just fluent. Just fluent, yeah. And and not in a horrible white guy accident. Or accent. (laughs) Yeah. Accent. That would be more impressive. Trying to show off. Yeah, yeah, not not speak Spanish like Mike Bloomberg. That would be cool. I know. I don't like the direction this is going. Yeah, no, neither do I. (laughs) Um, What else? Yeah, I guess... guess, Trying to think. Um, Oh, Favorite performance of the movie? Who is Because that's the thing about Parasite. That's the thing when people are like, uh, they, the actors needed, a lot of the actors needed to be nominated, or one of the actors should have been nominated. And my thing was, who do you pick? Because they're all so good. Well, obviously, uh, the biggest um, assumption was Park, uh, I mean, Sun Kang Ho, since he's yeah. the most famous. And but, he's worked on all of Bong's movies, I think, and he's also just. Except Okja seasoned. and Mother. I think he's worked on the rest. Okay. Yep. Um, but my pick for favorite, I think, might be Park Dam So. At least this time, who plays Jessica? She's an unsung hero. Yeah, truly. That um, jingle, I you could almost it's like it's like iconic now i feel i feel bad for her though because now because anywhere she goes whether she be in the airport people ask her to do yeah, it yeah you saw that too like, yeah it's um, it's it's like the new chadwick boseman like, forever. And, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly everyone who goes up to him and he has and for some reason if he feels like the duty to do it yeah. to anyone and all these you know all these people just come up to him and go well gonna do forever and he's probably like i'm so i'm so tired, man please stop I'm i so figured tired. the iconography and just get, like in Say it again. I figured the iconography of that one moment could get her a nomination, but wishful thinking. Really? Yeah, no. I think. No, I think that's that's Twitter messing with your brain. Yeah, that's not the first time. I agree. Won't be the last time. (laughs) Really won't. Um, Yeah, no. Song Kang Ho or Park Dam So is either either one for me were my favorites. Um, Yes. I heard. I you know again it's just it's your. Pick of the letter. I mean, they're all great. Um, what about you, Robin? What's it's your favorite? It's such an performance? ensemble. Uh, Song Kang Ho is the heart of the film. Yeah, it, it, no it's, kind, it's hard. That. It's hard to argue with. I think he's very Bong much. directed him as that. like the uh, Korean Tom Hanks, and I can totally see that. Hmm. 
a fatherly figure who's very likable has this uh, like who's already kind of has empathetic zeal to him um, but also a little but sly he, at the same exactly time. yeah or i yeah, guess not cool. in the sense of his character in parasite but just how he's perceived in korea does that make sense so it's oh well i didn't know that but, oh, but also his character yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's excellent. I mean, anything he's in. I mean, Memories oh, yeah. of Murder, he's great. He oh, plays he's a very so different character. In Snowpiercer, oh. he's great as this begrudging addict of uh, like coal or whatever they have, like Chromo, I think is what it's called um, in that movie. In the um, host, he has blonde hair, and I gave him an Oscar just for that. <laughs> like honestly, okay, what? he's gonna get an Oscar for that, and Christmas Cena is gonna get an Oscar for bleaching his hair. Yes. Oh. Wait, have you seen Birds of Prey, Robin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I've so seen that as well. He's so good in that. He's so... He is incredibly weird in that movie. I love it. Oh, love he's so... It. He's just dialed into something that is just otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Hugh McGregor, now the king of Warner Brothers box office bombs. His, Birds of Prey is not a bomb. It's not a That's bomb. That's a myth. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, it's was, a myth. I was trying to contribute. Yeah, dunk on you. Oh, yeah. Drag him. Drag, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure I at you later. Weird. I'm getting, <laughs> I see a cross for crucifixion coming out. That's, um, I can't, I can't um, stand this. Um, but Should yeah. We, um, transition into best picture rankings. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless, do we have anything else to say? Or should yeah, we, do, do we, yeah. Should, should we do favorite scene first and then best picture rankings? I, I feel like that would. Can we talk about favorite scenes or maybe we? Yeah, yeah. Let's do favorite scenes. The only I did. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Robin, why don't you go first with favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene was the smell scene, where, mm. where because it, it's just it's such a freaking gut punch. I like it there's really no is. other word for it. It's so devastating because you immediately empathize um, with with that with the with that man and and the feeling of just of being betrayed by a relationship you thought you had yes yeah totally um, bong yeah, nailed it powerful. like it's so imperative yeah. they nailed that yeah what about you jack well, wow spotlight <laughs> um you said you already had yours i know, you already I know. Talked about it earlier yeah and and now i i mean should i just do another one i have another one i, I could mine. i could do this entire movie <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna go with the um, introduction, or not the intro. How about the conversation between the man living in the basement and um, the Kim father? Um, Song Kang Ho. Yeah, Song Kang Ho. And they're trading stories, and and the man living in the basement is just like. I worship Mr. Park like he's a god, and you kind of see this, this kind of um, praying at the altar that he's that he's come up with, and in the sort That's of very underrated performance that yeah, guy. He's so bizarre. Yeah, he's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, but he plays that well. You could just tell, like, yeah, you've been here for a while, buddy. Yeah, we can. And tell. it's not like I, and I think he was probably someone that had the same intentions that um, the Kims had. Or it's oh, like probably something that that they saw the parts to leech off of, but they saw an opportunity. Just, yeah, things just did not go their way, 
even if it was a fraction of a moment. And yeah, and now he's ended up there for four years. So it's it's never something that you look at as as irredeemable. Um, I I think my favorite scene is funny enough. It's something I just talked we talked about earlier is uh, him trading is him um, uh, reading off his lines or uh, learning his lines for the monologue and like it cross cutting between him and the car and like talk, talking about ter- ter- uh, tuberculosis and him like uh, in trade in like him uh, bouncing off of his son and basically getting ready for an audition. It feels like, you know, like he's, he's like reading the script and he's like, I, I got to memorize these lines perfectly for me to really yeah. nail this. I think Bong even describes it as, as uh, an actor. Yeah. Oh, no, you know what? Like actually, that. you know what? He described it as if um, Song Kang Ho, who is very well beloved in Korea and the actor who plays his son, which also give a shout at him. Um, it's like, um, since he's like a, a newcomer, new coming actor it's like if Enzo Ogart was um teaching Al Pacino that's how Bong describes it I thought that was that's a good comparison interesting yeah I like that <laughs> imagine that um all right I guess we're we yeah, gotta sh- do best picture yeah. rankings of the decade um, yeah pretty good stuff who wants who wants to go first should we do a top 10 style yeah uh yeah okay. I think Clay knows um, what I'm talking about. No, I no that I think that's gonna be too uh too complicated. I think okay. we all should just like because we're all gonna have the same ten, obviously. True. Um, not right. not in the same ranking, but like mm-hmm. the s- same movies. Um, so I think one of us goes from ten to one, the other goes from ten to one, then the other goes from ten to one. Rob, you can okay. go first. All right, I'll do it. Okay, number ten, as in the shittiest film. <laughs> uh, the artist. I hate that movie. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> was that like a already like a ooh? Yeah, I, I, I honestly I was. We I don't was know surprised. any of our lists, so this is this is. Exciting. Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. It's okay, um, artists hate it. Birdman hate it just a little mm. bit less. Argo hate it just a little bit less than Birdman. <laughs> Shape of Water kind of just like a nothing movie to me. I don't really get it at all. Uh, Green Book. Even though it's really not a great movie, it was at least interesting, um, which is more than it can say for the other movies. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty harsh. Okay. King's Speech. I, I like that one. Um, you know, a little do- dippy, but I like it. Um, 12 Years a Slave. Is this top five? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's going from, like, deepest, darkest pit of a movie to, like, better. <laughs> Right, we're climbing out of the hill. Mm. Yeah, you're, you're uh, as I like to call it, my shit list. Like the deeper you are into the shit, you're like yeah. sinking into the shit. So we're we're swimming up the shit right now. Um, so it's the king's like speech, the, it's yeah, like the Kim's coming out of the, uh, the yeah, basically, the ring. well, yeah, 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 going uh, to our home. It did come up with that metaphor like ten years before that movie, but yes. <laughs> um, so the king's speech again, like kind of doofy, but I liked it. Uh, 12 Years a Slave, just a solid film. Um, Parasite, which we've talked at length about. Uh, Moonlight, again, a really radical film. Um, sensational. Really just gorgeous. And then Spotlight, which was my favorite of all of those. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I think Spotlight right. is just a great, I don't know if the thriller is even the right word. I think I just like journalism movies. Yeah. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. It, it is um, a bit of a thriller, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I could. 
Yeah, I, I can see that. It I has the that. tension of a thriller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clay, you can go. I, yeah. Um, okay. Number 10. Um, Green Book. Deep uh, in the shit. I don't... I, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, um, we're, we are about to record our episode and uh, yeah we haven't recorded it yet so this is recording it a little out of order but well okay. i have to re i also have to rewatch it on fr- um, i'm i'm rewatching tomorrow. it too uh boy. i don't want to um <laughs> uh the king's speech at number nine solid i mean i needed i needed 10 times more jeffrey rush but you know solid movie um the artist i find it charming at points um it's an easy watch for me the fartest. Uh, <laughs> Brian Posehn. Eric Zipper will have a word with you. <laughs> that uh, was our uh, guest on that episode. Um, Birdman. Uh, I'm really... I, I know a lot of people who love that movie. I'm not in that camp. I think there's some interesting things. I think Keaton's great. Keaton's always great. But I've I already voiced my issues with yeah. that movie. Uh, Argo. I, I just well made it's solid i like it it's enjoyable it's um it's a bit much at times and it's probably too long but eh, i like it uh shape of water at number five big fan love that movie uh i just like it fish sex equals best sex (laughs) i did like that scene yeah it's a good scene and it's also Uh, fish fuck yeah fish (laughs) fuck is also a good 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 one um Spotlight is at my number four, and that says something because I fucking yeah, love I was, Spotlight. That's actually... <laughs> I love Spotlight. Okay. Um, I just, I just, I love it. Um, Twelve Years a Slave is my number three. I just, mm-hmm. it's just, I uh, that rewatch was so excruciating because mm. it's just so good. But it's, it's a movie that I legitimately would never want to see it for, see for the rest of my life. Yeah, just, yeah, I get um, that. It's, it's horrible. I mean, it's great, but it's horrible. Um. <laughs> My number two is Parasite. Big fan. Love that movie. Uh, I need to rewatch it, obviously, but um, I just not think for five it's to ten years. Special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I got. I got to rewatch it soon. Maybe a month. Twenty twenty-five. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like plan that out and five years. <laughs> yeah, and, throw it yeah. on the calendar. Um, and my number one is Moonlight. Mm-hmm. That is my movie of the decade. I think that is a pure masterpiece. It is probably yeah. in my top 15, top 10 movies of all time. Wow. Um, I'm just the biggest fan of that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So we're kind of like in range of each other, actually. Yeah. And actually, mine is very similar to yours. Um, oh, yeah. Tell us. Number 10, Green Book. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, The King's Speech. Mm-hmm. The number King's eight, Peach. The, <laughs> oh. oh. Luca Guadagnino. Yeah, the King's Speech. Um, <laughs> I, well, I would say number that. eight, The Fartist. Number seven, yeah. Birdman. Number six, oh, wow. Shape of Water. Number five, Argo. Number four, Spotlight. <laughs> number three, Twelve Years. And just because of recency bias, number two, Moonlight. And number one, Parasite. Yeah, Which, me and you have very similar lists. Number yeah. besides like switch a few around. Yeah, Moonlight Parasite are honestly like two of the best best picture winners ever in my eyes mm-hmm. as well. So, um, my yeah, those movies are just impeccable, and I love that they're in 
um, conversation with some of the best ever made because they deserve to. It's it's kind of funny, actually. Like, I think we both have, like, the three of us, maybe we don't have the exact same rankings, but there's clearly, like, here's the cream that rose to the top, yeah. and here's, yeah. like, the, the okay stank. Like, yeah. We all have the same top fours, but in different places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but as even, long like, as the, the middle can be... <laughs> yeah. As long as the middle can be shifted around, yeah. I'm okay with all of us agreeing on the bottom tier. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... Good I, job! I, High five! Oh, yeah. High five, <laughs> indeed. Hallelujah. Um, so, I was thinking about this before we start kind of wrapping it up. Um, do you guys want to make a prediction of what's going to win Best Picture this year? So last year I did that and I was like, definitely going to be Lion King. <laughs> Don't trust your instincts. Best oh, Picture this year. Gonna win? I don't know. Dune is probably going to be really good. That's <sighs> an epic I am looking forward to. Oh, oh yeah, that's hey. kind of an epic. Yeah, there you go. Hey. Oh man, Sounds Dune. Oh, I just want a trailer. <laughs> like, Unless it's, trailer. It, it might be total shit. We don't know, but yeah, it's true. I don't know. It, it might be the the epic that we're looking for. I could the Tenet movie of all time. Who knows? I think uh, Tenet's gonna actually actually get Best Picture nominated because the ten. I could see that. Yeah. Um, but actually, what's gonna oh, man? Like Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's that's definitely something they would pick because we also have to think about. What's the opposite of Parasite? Because I feel like that's how the Oscars work. Yeah, it could totally yeah that's true, that. too. The thing is, Sorkin, I mean, with Molly's game, oh, like, uh... Like Clay, that. you like... Don't you like Molly's game? I, I love Molly's game. It's it's a fun movie, but it totally goes off the rails. Like, the second half makes no sense whatsoever. See, that's... I haven't seen it, so I'm totally down for trying to participate. Because, like, it's been now three years since you've been yeah. wanting me to see it. Mm-hmm. I say see it. I mean, I actually think a lot of it is quite good, but yeah. it really, like, thematically, it starts to get super, super doofy um, oh, the last half. Yeah, I can. I, I think I, it might yeah, be I, just I um, the debut jitters with Sorkin, mm. or maybe it's the scripts. I mean, he's just so calling confident. it the script's fault, or it's Aaron Sorkin. It's like wow, it doesn't sound right. <laughs> uh, he's uh. He he thinks highly of himself. Yeah, that's, um, that's the polite way to put it. <laughs> yeah, maybe Mulan. I could see that being a if it does well at the box office, I could see it uh, becoming Ooh. a best picture. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me, I just sneezed. My goodness. <laughs> but it may not do well at the box office because of coronavirus. True. So yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to the think. The damn about. coronavirus. Yeah. I think Mank has a chance. <gasps> oh, that's a good pick. But one Fincher for some the Oscars don't love Fincher and as well he's as they not don't gonna play this game. But they don't love Netflix. True. That's another thing. But it's Hollywood. It's it has a connection to Citizen Gary Kane. Oldman it, coming off an Oscar. Yeah, it's that's the thing. They love Hollywood movies though. They do. They really do. Could we see? Uh, it's like it could be in black and white. I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh God, kill me! Could we, <laughs> could we see a reality where we all rally behind Fincher and he's just like, he's been giving us good work since Seven. Like, I think this guy's—it's mm. time for him to get some hardware. Could 
I mean, maybe like that's possible. Maybe a nomination. Mm, true. Yeah, I just don't think he. Yeah, he just really. It's just that no, they both don't love each other. The Oscars what, the don't Oscars love Fincher, and the Fincher, Fincher yeah. don't love the Fincher doesn't love the Oscars. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Um. Mink. Maybe. I don't know. There's. It, it's been. It's going to be a weird year. I think it's going to be because the blockbuster landscape is also weird. Um, especially compared to last year. Um, I mean, uh, if we can even survive the middle of the summer with French Dispatch and Tenet coming out the same week, I think Tenet, Twitter will be broken. Really? Oh you know, God. All the Scorsese, or sorry, all the Nolan and Wes Anderson hot takes <laughs> be ablaze. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I, w- I just wanted to think about that. Um, maybe, okay. How, I'll do, all right, one more. Who do you think is going to be the highlight? Like, who's going to be the highlight of next decade, the next decade in terms of director? Ooh, because shit. you could make an argument that Bong was the highlight of this decade. Is there any idea of who's going to be the director of the next decade? That is a really good question. Um, you got your Greta Gerwig's, you got your yeah. Jordan Peele's. Because I guess your... this the 2010s gen- generation bleeds into the next. Yeah. I would say Gerwig is definitely up there. Um, I think so, too. I, I think Lulu Wong has mm. quite a career ahead yeah. of her. I mean, what an incredible debut. Well, I mean, we'll certainly see, but... Hmm. She seems, like, very intelligent, too. So, like, whatever um, she picks next... It'll be. It won't be like a wonky script, you know. You're saying. Well, she she'll write her own project. script. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she isn't. Is she writing on an Amazon show or something? Or am I making that up? Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't remember. I, Barry is. So maybe you have that. Confused. That well, that the Barry Jenkins, I think, might be my pick. But because I, I mean, like the Ari thing Astor is, he's is already gotten to a hot start. Ari Aster is going to release something that's going to shock the world. Oh, yeah. I love Maybe. him. Like, it's Ari hard has... for that kind of a guy to define a decade, though. You know what I mean? You're right. But I think it's so like, weird. Midsummer and Hereditary have already... Um... The Softie brothers. That's the yes. thing. The Safties Jordan, are the... Jordan. Op- are also... And Jordan... Jordan is doing something. Like, he's making... He has this whole... His production company is already moving so he's fast. Got a whole like, yeah, that's kind of like, like cheating. Black Landsman... <laughs> Candyman that's coming out. He produced the Hunters, the Amazon mm-hmm. show. He's directing a whole bunch of stuff. Like he's he's moved so fast after Key and Peel that he might just blow through the next decade. Maybe like Alex Garland. He doesn't work enough. I don't think so. Yeah, I think he's. I don't know. The thing is it's also television. Someone we don't know yet. That's that's the yeah, that's the most yeah. that's the most. That's the most likely. Um, but I don't think it's going to be any of the... I don't think it's going to... See, I'm not... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't think it's going to be any of the old school, though. Like, I think it... it, it I, I have a feeling that it's not going to be a nostalgia director, whether it be Scorsese, Tarantino, or T- PTA, Spike. I mean, but, I mean I'm, I'm talking about, like those names for this decade. Mm. Um, but next decade, I'm not sure. Robin, um, I asked Clay this question last week, but who do you think is going to win an Oscar this decade for directing that hasn't won before? I'm really hoping it's Gerwig. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's Gerwig too. I think and she also has the possibility to win for acting. Yeah, but she's definitely although it's less likely behind the film. Yeah, I think she's actually a fabulous actor. I wish that. Um, oh my god, what is that film called? Uh, oh shoot, I can't remember the name of it. It was such women? A... yes, 20th Century Women. I thought she was so fabulous from Half movie. Court. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I confused. Is it with certain women? It's just like no, I not, same women year are not too. a monolith. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a weird title, but yeah, I I think she's lovely, but her but her filmmaking is she's really turning it into quite a craft. She's a brand um, now, and she's great with performers. Yeah. really great with her actors, um, it, which is funny because I mean usually the, the the refrain you hear is that oh the director was so fabulous, but they're so uh torturous meticulous. <laughs> meticulous yeah like cruel um you Speaking know really power yeah. yeah exactly power driven and you never hear that about Gerwig like yeah. she may be a, a master craftsman so to speak at least with her with her writing but you you know that her actors love her and vice versa so yeah. I'm really I would really love to see her win I'm just curious I really hope her next project does not star Saoirse Ronan um I'm getting kind of sick of that dynamic. Ooh, but, interesting. Yeah, I think Sirsha. I think Sirsha is not a great, does not do a great American accent, and it's just kind of distracting. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think. Um, I love her, but yeah. expand. Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously she'll have to branch out at some point. Yeah. Like Scorsese didn't make all of his movies with Bob De Niro, so. Right, he made some with Leonardo DiCaprio. One or two. I kind of feel like, well, of course you're going to have like the new generation, whether it be or for directors who haven't won yet. You, you know, you're going to have your um, new class, whether it be a Gerwig or maybe a Sat. I don't know if the Satis could ever win an Oscar, but or maybe I, don't know, the I think they can. Eventually yeah. made it. This is true. That's true. Barry Jenkins, who has it only not took him like thirty won. years or twenty years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Barry Jenkins, who has not won a director um, award, but I feel like, but I feel like you're gonna have one of those, but you're also gonna have one of those. Ryan Coogler. Uh, we haven't mentioned his name. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, but I feel like there's gonna be that one kind of veteran that we're not thinking of who's gonna win their first Oscar, and I think it's James Gray. James Gray. Interesting. I feel like he'll he's gonna pull something out and the Oscar's gonna be like, ah, we can't ignore this one. Um but again, but but either him or another director that's like worked a lot worked a lot and isn't really necessarily an awards favorite. That he'll well, just Tarantino uh, has never won in the directing Oscar. He's uh, yeah. I mean, only one more in the can too. It's like if, Pulp Fiction or nothing. Yeah, it depends how good his movie. If his even say his movies is seven out of ten, they'll probably try to give it to him. If it's an eight out of ten, they're giving it to him. Yeah. Because well, it's people just really thought time. with Hollywood that it would happen. Yeah. The 1917 came in there and was like, nope, because that was because that because mm-hmm. once it was it was once upon a time v parasite and then it became 19 and then the DGA v- happened, yeah. Yeah. Well, there was at some point we thought it was gonna be Irishman, so thank God that we are have been wrong in the past. Ooh. That we thought directing was gonna go to Irishman. Or or best picture. I mean that that was really the front runner for quite I a while. I mean like if I we'll ever that. do um. 
an Irish, I mean, when we do an Irishman episode, I think that will be when we really investigate, like, what happened to this awards narrative? Like, it's mm-hmm. a gangster movie directed by Martin Scorsese. Like, this should be a And it's like clear. four hours yeah. long. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just think, I just think it's fascinating how it just dissolved into its own loss. Yeah, it's really fascinating to look. Um, it's a bad film, yeah. just kind of up its own. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I know it's 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 long. Um, yeah, I think Gerwig. I hope Gerwig gets one. I really do. Um, hopefully we get a sing. Hopefully we get more female nominated directors and a few female directors who actually win a fucking award because this shit is so. This year was just kind of unex- inexcusable. It was just really like, there's just, there. What are you doing here? Um, hopefully that changes. I think it will change, but I've gotten my hope. You know, you know, you get your hopes up into an institution that doesn't, that you, you know, you hope for an institution that doesn't conform to gender biases or race biases, and a lot of times you'll, your hopes will be crushed. But maybe this time, you know, it'll work out. But who knows? Um, Do you guys remember yeah, when think... Todd Phillips was nominated for Best Director? Let's not talk about it. Weird, weird decision yeah. on their part, I'd say. Very, very, very weird. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I mean, let's see what happens with the Oscars next this decade. Hopefully, we have actual hosts. Hopefully, <laughs> we can you know figure out a way to not. Like also not ha- one thing we did forget to mention. Stop. No more. No more music. No more. No more these songs for these Oscars. This oh my is, God, what? this That's is the, the decade we need to stop. No, I can't do it. This is not the Grammys. I can don't you guys need imagine, Eminem to perform out of yeah, nowhere. Can you guys imagine yeah, if Eminem that. comes back next year? If it's Eminem, like two in a row. no more Eminem. No more. And we get another slate of reaction shots from the audience. Just that's <laughs> the most bizarre thing. It was very strange. They, 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 they literally were like, we have no ideas. What, what is it? What, what, what do we think, people? Oh, how about Eminem? Okay, let's do that. Yeah. I don't know. I was into it. I didn't. I wasn't not not into it. I was okay, just. Okay, but you guys perplexed. were like two when, when that movie came out, and. I used to listen to that song all the time, though. Like when I was, um, when I was getting a little older. Yeah, like four. Curse words. <laughs> curse. No, no. no. <laughs> oh, that listening to Eminem while you were four would be a decision. That would be <laughs> a, a decision by your parents, really. That would be, or, or I don't know. It would be a decision. For, I like Chris Hansen if that means anything. <laughs> if we're like, I um, love Ali Confidential. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'll probably change my tune. If let's say like Kendrick gets nominated for a best song, I'll probably shut up and be like, "Yes, have all the songs yeah. perform." Turn yeah, this into exactly. the Grammys too. Yeah, yeah. like that would be. Yeah, he has been nominated I'm... before. Oh um, yeah, all the stars. Good point. Good point. Good point. But he did. But, but I feel like it was only SZA who performed that though. I don't. Was he there? Did he protest the Oscars? Oscars? Yeah, I think he protested. He might, yeah, he probably did. because yeah. he's an awesome dude. Um, <laughs> you gotta love him. You know him I've personally? I know. Uh, I've just been rewatching his Grammy performances, and they're so good. I mm. just, oh, um, random, but yeah, uh, yeah. No, hopefully we get a host. Hopefully, 
uh, we can figure out some of these biases. Hopefully the academy can get a little better. Hopefully we can, I don't know, elect a good president. But that has nothing to do with the Oscars. Um, it has to do with a lot of things. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what are you hoping for Oscar-wise this next decade, Jack? Oh, um, <laughs> I I will echo what you said. I would like a host. I think I'll, I'm speaking for you too, Rob. Um, just, yeah, the flow of the show will always work better to have someone introducing the next presenters and the next musical acts. And if you have someone charismatic and beloved, then nobody's going to complain about it, unlike um, someone divisive like Ricky. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, if backlash. you have John Mulaney's phone number, why not? Oh just just call John Mulaney. It's so easy. Yes. Or Bill Hader. I the thing is, who's who wants to do it? That's the Griffin thing. Newman and David Sims. Anyone? Yeah. I mean, come on, yeah. seriously. I mean, they ha- are right there. Um. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I think I just don't know who wants to do it. That's the thing. Clay, imagine just Ben Hosley. That would be funny. Um. What do you want for the next decade for Oscars? It to be freaking interesting. <laughs> huh? That's good. Um, I definitely want to see more racially diverse nominees and wins. I want to see more women stories, not just women behind the character. I want to see more stories that center women. I mean, l- literally maybe one or two out of 10 best picture nominees this year had a female protagonist and a protagonist that we actually cared about. Like, Marriage Story, eh, it really is more Charlie's movie. Um, Little Women, obviously, but that was like one movie. So it's really one movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, and it's, that's. Oh. So it's not just the filmmakers. I just want to see more of women's stories centered. That would be really helpful. It's true. It's yeah. it's it's bad. Um, but hopefully it get better. I mean, I mean, I think independent cinema is going to be interesting because i feel like it's getting back to i don't know i feel like the it's getting back to like the 90s level of what is coming out in in like the in, in like the independent independent movies are doing really interesting weird things that are actually reaching big audiences like i i forgot to mention this i i think this is um important to to say parasite with and i'm going by um uh, American Dollars had an 11 million dollar budget and made 200 and uh, what is it? 209 million dollars worldwide. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, of course, they probably spent a decent amount on marketing, but that's that's and that's an independent movie. 11 million dollars. That's an independent movie. I mean, it probably it was distributed quite wild uh widely but still that's incredible and i think that has an indication of what's to come uh whether you have these interesting directors like uh, the safties which also just released a, a massively uh, um a incredibly profitable movie in uncut gems or the farewell which was also extremely profitable or you know and you have these um, low-budget horror movies that are being done by some interesting directors, whether it be uh, Knives Asper, Out's box, box office. Yeah, it, yeah, uh. Knives Out has an incredible amount of money. Like, but that's not necessarily an, an indie. But these kind of creator-driven films, exactly. That's the thing. 
Um, and I think that, and I think I'm curious how the Oscars react to that. Do they keep nominating more Moonlights? Do they keep nominating more Parasites, or do they try to go back to something different? Do they do they move to the blockbuster? Do they move to nominating blockbusters? Do they move back to nominating mid budgets? Do they even, you know, like do they accept Netflix eventually? Do they accept Amazon? Uh, all these, I mean, it, that's the thing about the new decade, whether it be, you know, whether you're hopeful or you're optimistic or pessimistic, it's exciting um, in the sense of what's going to happen because it's so unpredictable. And we all have the questions. Now we're just waiting for the answers. Um, so, yeah, uh, this has been, I think it's been a great miniseries. We've had great guests, um, you know, whether it be um, Shea Vassar, uh, Meg Brady, Wes, um, Josh Bradley, and all the others, I think. It's been a great miniseries. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. It's all the best picture winners of the 2010s. Yeah. Um, all right, I guess we should wrap it up. Uh, Jack, uh, Robin, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank yeah. you, guys. It was really fun to chat with light. you. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. We would, we would love to have you back on again. Um, yeah, that would be lovely. Um, what is? How can all the people find you on the internet? Yeah, um, so easiest way is to find me at Robin Barr on Twitter. So it's the at sign, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Um, yeah, I have a lot of opinions about things. So if you're into opinions, come find me. Love opinions it. that should be welcomed and celebrated and not fought against. No, please fight against me. I oh. I have no okay. problem when people say like you're wrong about this if you can justify you why you love a thing so i well, love hearing for a nuanced argument i don't know yeah because yeah. i'm a hater I, so tell me why it. you love something yeah you're but you're you're asking for like like respectable opinions instead of vitriols which is not acceptable for twitter apparently no twitter loves vitriol it's uh oh, you can't just need just needs it um jack where can the people yell at you on the internet <laughs> i can be yelled at at jack a draper on twitter and my writing is on the simple cinephile which can be also disagreed with and torn apart clay where can everyone have, be yell at you ha, um wait one quick question have you had like major pu- pushback on any of your pieces on the simple cinephile <laughs> It's not like in our comment section, but I know sometimes it's posted on Reddit and I'll check it out and everyone's like, what is this? Like, this is dog shit. And I mean, like Reddit is its own black hole. So I guess it's kind of like, it's it's like whatever. People will never be satisfied. So well, uh, don't look at the usernames too closely. You might find a familiar name. Um, I, I have. <laughs> Uh, I can be found at at Clayfilm100 on Twitter, on Instagram, on Letterboxd, where you can find my all all of my opinions in one easy platform and lists and you forgot the bad jokes and, and bad oh definitely bad jokes you yeah. get plenty of bad jokes make sure you add that one. Um, bad jokes got yeah. it um, I'll write it down all right write it down okay um, yeah thank you all thank you all for listening thank you for uh thank you for listening to the mini series hope it was fun now we're gonna go back to whatever the fuck we want yeah. so that's fun um and the week after this this is posted um we're doing inherent vice with michael snydell 
that is that is right. Um, I was informed of that before the before recording because I don't pay attention to things. Um, <laughs> Michael's great. Us. He's fun. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, you can follow the podcast at ETT Pod on Twitter. Um, you can go over to Anchor. Um, you can uh, give us send us a voicemail. You know, subscribe to the podcast, of course. Um, rate and rate and review. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. Um, yeah. Next week we have Michael Snydell for the Inherent Vice. Um, yeah, uh, this has been an interesting decade for the Oscars. Here's to another more. Uh, thank you all for listening.